cinephiles have come together to bring you strong opinions, controversial statements, epic battles, and plenty of fun. Introducing our host, the man who watches 52 movies a week, drinks 52 beers a movie, loves women but hates the woman, from the foreign land of Canada, our host, Mood 616. He is widely known as the man who talks too much. His worst enemies are Postmaster P and Pee Wee Herman. He said Hellraiser was overrated and Leprechaun Origins wouldn't suck. He's the full-blooded half-Mexican, JP. Finally, we have the man who doesn't talk enough. He is best friends with Sean S. Cunningham. His favorite horror movie is Gummo. He is your favorite Jew and mine, Jeremy. Together, they are known for extending a helping hand to Vampircons everywhere. They are the 22 shots of moods and horror. Yes, yes, y'all, it's going down right now. Episode 146 of the 22 shots of moods and horror podcast is coming at you live. I am your host, MC Italian Icy, a.k.a. Moods. Yeah, and of course, I got my two co-hosts behind me on the wheels of steel, DJ Cannoli, a.k.a. JP, and of course, DJ Olive Jew, a.k.a. Jeremy. What's going on, guys? Yeah, Italian Month is back in the house. It is. It's that back was a fast year. It's kind of crazy. Dude, it is. You know, Mood said something, too, the other day. He was like, wow, there's only seven episodes in between the 76 show and the 82 show i think it was it was seven or something but i that kind of blew my mind and then looking i was updating our banner from last year for italian horror month and looking at those it doesn't even seem like many episodes have passed since then too yeah we're on episode 146 tonight and i think last italian horror month was what do you guys remember no dude you guys Oh, what is never. this? A future episode where we try and guess what episode fucking <laughs> old Italian horror months are? Well, I'm just gonna tell you what. Where's Derek when we need him? Were. I feel like it was. Uh, it was episode 120 through 123. Five. Well, no. no. 120 through 123, uh, which was last year's Italian horror month. So, you know, it doesn't. It, it it just it feels so close. You know. Mm-hmm. So how did we manage to have Eli Roth in the middle of that? What the hell happened here? In the middle of what? Italian Horror Month last year. Eli Roth is 132. The Hostel Trilogy? That's 124. (laughs) I'm confused as fuck right now. Oh, dude. Dude, I'm totally tripping balls. I'm looking at my videos here, and I'm like, wait a minute. I was looking at 125, <laughs> and I was looking at these directors and shit, but 125 was a Gene Roland director's It just kind of looks like Italian Horror Month. <laughs> because there was literally one, two, three, six director's spotlights technically in a row. Yeah, dude, we were going hard Holy on the director's I just spotlights. totally had a trip out session there. That was, wow, that yeah. was crazy. But yeah, no, not that long ago. Crazy. But yes, Italian Horror Month. And I have to say, man, I got to give it up to all the all the peeps everywhere man on insta shit and our fucking facebook group mm-hmm. um people man been posting you know uh and hashtag, hashtag italian, italian horror month italian horror Listen. month everywhere and i'm like man you know it's like something that we are gonna take credit revolution for because we Listen. actually came up with this idea and people are just all of a sudden following through that's pretty cool this, like this was one of my goals when i came up with the italian horror month idea and and brought it to you is I want to create a month that celebrates Italian horror, and I want it actually to become a real thing. 
Like not just something that we do. I want it to become. But you a can't. Known you thing. can't lie. It was selfish reasons because I remember having this conversation with you behind closed doors, and I remember you distinctly saying, "You're like, man, I need to watch more Italian horror. So if I create a whole yeah. month dedicated to Italian <laughs> so horror, right. I will fucking so it'll force right. me to watch Italian horror movies." And I'm like, "Hey, man." You're killing two birds with one stone there. I'm all about <laughs> killing two birds with one stone. It's one of my favorite things to do in life. Yeah. <laughs> hey, man. Hey, man. Stem. We're, you know, we're, uh, this is the fourth year yes. for Italian Hormones. So it's going strong. People enjoy it and they are supporting it, which is a good thing. And not really I, because the few count isn't really that high. On that's not true. I mean, it comes up. It It's never super high when we first post, but you got to keep in mind too, people are burnt out on horror November 1st. You know what I mean? So, uh, and we, we do it. And that's why it's kind of interesting because a lot of the films we cover in Italian horror month are actually technically not horror films. So it's kind of, it kind of gives you a breathe breather to watch, you know, a little bit different things. A lot of them are horror films, but we've definitely covered some, some questionable, uh, films during Italian horror month. It all depends past, on how you look at it, Especially because a lot of the giallos yeah. aren't 100% horror, but, you know. It's, but yeah, uh, I, I, I was surprised, you know, right at the end of, you know, the 31 Days of Horror, you know, people were like, I'm so pumped for Italian month and shit. And people are, I'm just like, yeah, that enthusiasm is, you know, amazing. I love that shit. And people are already posting up their pics and Italian month for life and shit. And it's fucking cool, man. I'm, I'm really digging it. What about shit, hashtag man. French month? Come on. Revolution number two. We um, should make we should make February French month. Oh God, because it's short. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, is it a leap? We I only got twenty eight days next year or some shit. <laughs> I do want to return to, like, see, this is something that the Patreon guys should should pay attention to. Just because you're buying the director's spotlight, if you read it, it doesn't just mean that. Like, you can do a French themed show. Or like, you know, it doesn't have to be a director with three films. You could do a themed episode or and I, I always wanted to do an exploitation too. And Derek did ha, did actually do that in the past. He did an Irish show for us once. Yeah. We pit, did an Irish one. Well, I've been uh, pleading to do an exploitation, you know, two second one sequel, whatever you want to call it, because, you know, I I'm, love me some Aussie films. And I think a lot of other people do, too. You know, I think once we've introduced, I mean, I'm not saying we were the sole, you know, introducers of some of these films, but I, I know that some of these films like Wake and Fright has become a huge hit with people, you know, and I'm taking credit for that shit. That's so. like Phantom's Carriage has become a huge <laughs> hit because of me. True. I feel, like it has, true. I feel like it has because of you. I don't think many people knew about it. I sure, surely didn't really. No, that was one film that he introduced it. me to also. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, man. Yeah. Exploitation for sure. I like those. Yeah. Th- I like those theme country shows, man. I'm a big fan of that shit. I always have been. Yeah, I am too. And and you could say that like Sam has given us a couple of Asian directors shows, which yeah. are sort of themed, you know, to that country. Um, but at the same time, it's more themed to that director. So yeah, if anybody wants to, you know, I'm down for a French show or a uh, you know Oz exploitation volume 2 or an Irish volume 2 or even some like super bizarre country that it's only made 3 horror films <laughs> that would be kind of funny huh Bosnia yeah it's so like Bosnia. The, three horror, the three horror films that came out out of Bosnia <laughs> <laughs> you'd hear on the 22 shots i know that um mark was it marka i can't remember somebody gave us a 
that one movie remember like um sweat shop or something it was called so- something like sweat house or something yeah, sweat shop. we, the we did it is, no 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 the song it was called sauna <laughs> so, oh, oh sauna? yeah that, that yeah that weird uh period sauna piece. was cool man i like yeah. that movie it was, I, yeah, I, it was, <laughs> I really enjoyed that yeah cool. it was okay that that was pretty cool and um you know shout out to Derek, he actually picked. He's the first person to grab one of the franchises that we had listed uh, for an upcoming show, which won't be anytime very soon. But in the in in a few months, we'll get to it. Uh, it's going to be the Dead series. The lo- like this is something that I've wanted to do for ever. We've never done the Dead series. Well, finally, my favorite horror film of all time is going to be reviewed. I'm the last of the three here. We've done the Child's Play. We've done the Child's Play franchise. We did the TCM franchise, and now we're doing the Dead franchise, which is super fucking cool for me. And we were actually kind of be, we, before the show. We were pregame, and I said, you know, the hardest thing about doing the the six original films in the Dead franchise is picking what version of Dawn the Dawn of the Dead to watch. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, it doesn't really matter. You know, the Argento cut's quite different. I personally always watch the extended cut because it's just more Dawn of the Dead. But now the real question is, do I keep my Land of the Dead Universal Blu-ray that I bought a long time ago or do I get the Scream Factory one? I'll probably grab the Scream Factory for this. I ne- I actually only had it on DVD before I grabbed the Scream Factory. So it was I saw that motherfucker back in theaters. Uh, that's probably honestly, I'm more I'm almost more excited to talk about the second half of the Dead series because I've literally don't think I've ever talked to anybody about those films in in like a critical way and i haven't seen them any of them in like 10 10 plus years i feel or like the conversation on survival of the dead is just gonna get mean because <laughs> uh, that movie's really bad yeah but i haven't watched it in a long time either so watching with the critical i mean it's probably getting me even worse is that the found footage one or is that diary no no it's no. diary the, i i liked diary and uh land but i do remember not liking survival at all um, they did maybe great for maybe me. there'll be some like special features or something I could dive into and kind of see maybe we could talk where George's head was at or something like that so who knows they try to make keep it a little more positive <laughs> I've always said I've, I've always been a big fan of uh, land of the dead man I think that movie is pretty fun I said the, the same theaters. thing I said the land of the dead is one of those movies that now that time has passed, what what did you hear about land of the dead when it first came out in the first couple years after it's trash right now it seems like people like, and I liked it from the beginning, like you did moods, but yeah. it seems to have that Halloween three effect where now people are coming around and being like, you know what? This was not a bad attempt to continue the dead series. This is actually a pretty solid movie with some cool social commentary in it. It's, yeah. it's it is a George dead film. It just didn't have maybe the money that, that you expected or, you know, a little later in his career. But when you really look at it, you know, it has the same themes and everything that, all of his films had before that. Yeah, and you can just see the budgets on his film because he started making his films in Canada. And then, you know, Diary of the Dead. For me, the most frustrating thing about Diary of the Dead was the fact that I felt like George was always a person that I felt would never conform to bullshit. You know, he was always trying to tell his own views and shit. And by doing a found footage film that was of the times and everybody was doing found footage films, and I, I, I was almost ashamed for him. You know, to kind of conform to doing something that was popular at the time and not really but being George it, himself. And it was it was, it was a frustrating thing. But the movie itself, I hated when it first came out. And it was 
for selfish reasons. I was like, dude, George, like you're conforming to this bullshit. And I, you know, I'm not all about that, but it just kind of annoyed me that George has always been kind of his own person, his own thing. He's, he always has his own ideas and does his own thing because he usually mm-hmm. doesn't give a fuck about anything. But when the found footage film came out, it was frustrating as hell to me. I was like, really? Like there was a hundred thousand movies that came out that year. And like half of them were fucking found footage films. And I was like, this is crazy. And the, but you know, but I, got past that and i actually went back and watched it a couple times it's not as bad as i remember it being um you know he's Here's got some social about commentary that, though if what if um you know it, it what if george you know even though found footage was popular at the time what if george just was like oh this is i like this this is kind of an interesting little style and it had nothing to do with trying to capitalize on the success and more to do with like this is a i can make a cool like social commentary on, on with this technique you know what i mean so you never know if it was like him you know going uh, against what he's always done or not you know yeah i don't really know i haven't really watched a lot of the special features on it but i mean it is a little bit coincidental considering the timing of the film you know mm-hmm. i mean he wouldn't have made that found footage film in when he made land of the dead kind of thing probably not you know but yeah probably who not. knows who knows i mean again features help and it'll yeah. be an, it'll and that's something that I will book. plan on doing uh, when we do that show is I, I'm going to spend a lot of time actually looking at, at the I'm going to take it that episode pretty serious because I, I like I really like those films. And I think that they're deserve they, like people have talked them to death. So if uh, if we're going to talk about them, I want to take it pretty serious and and try to get some background information. There's so many. I mean, hell, there's so many. So much stuff you can learn about those movies, too. Yeah, I agree. Pop into Anchor Bay, Dawn of the Dead Blu-ray. That's way overpriced. Wow. <laughs> Dawn, yeah. The Anchor Bay one? Nice. Um, yeah, man, I, I got to congratulate you, both you guys. Me? Off, off the top of the show, man. JP, thank you for proving me right once again and failing at the 31 Days of Horror on day 21. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I have to say that shit made me laugh so fucking hard because it wasn't like two days before we were just talking about it. And I'm like, hey, man, day 21's approaching. Hey, you know what that means, right? That's failure, I failed day. on day 21 multiple times. Like, that's the <laughs> third get... time I failed on day 21. So, it's like that three-week mark is like, that's that's bad luck day for you, man. Something happens. It is. It's, well, it's... Uh, you know, one of the things is it seems like we always have a big show right around day 21. <laughs> and I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like, I don't even know how I'm going to watch a movie and review it. What, what The most messed up thing about this whole thing is I actually had movies watched and videos recorded that I never uploaded. You know what I mean? So it wasn't to where I didn't have time to actually upload like you know make the video watch the movie make the video upload it i actually just got really lazy one the first night my uh camera was dead when i got home and you know it was just a mess but i still have i I have most of the things done right now i just need to upload them but (laughs) yeah it just you know and i didn't i didn't i hey listen i passed last year that was a huge feather in my cap so i'm like yeah well you know i could take a few years off of passing again <laughs> <laughs> i actually had a lot of damn fun this year it didn't felt hard at all 
Um, well, I, I'm I definitely doing what you said next year about pre-recording all of my videos before 31 days, so I can truly just enjoy. Dude, we have know. a lot of. We usually take a lot of time off in the summer. Just record a That's video here I'm and there. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm gonna go buy Halloween lights. I'm gonna do. I'm gonna set up and make it look <laughs> like Halloween. <laughs> yeah, but you say you're gonna do that for like the year roundup shows, and you never do it anyway. So what do you, you mean? Know, you say you're gonna like watch a shitload of 72 films before we do the show how many i 72 did watch films a shitload for how many 80. 72 films have you watched uh two moods the, how many have you more, watched more than I, you thought huh i haven't i haven't watched one since we've announced the 72 show but well we all know brandon's probably at like 47 no, or something i've reason, seen a lot i think you got the list i've seen a lot of them but uh I think the, that is going to be a, an interesting show. Yeah, honestly, dude, I was looking at the – like, you know how I was down on the 70s, right? I actually like quite a lot of films that came out in 72. Yeah, not going to lie. Well, I have a feeling our, this might be a very, very diverse top 10 list. Which was not the case with 80, 82. Yeah, there was a lot of repeats for sure. No, for sure. the most ever, I think. And on that note, I want to congratulate Jeremy for having the most popular I finally and liked- won. List for 1982. He definitely got a lot of pity votes there. And actually, somebody, I don't know. How, I just somebody, somebody made a funny ass comment. I, I don't know who it was. It maybe it was Sam. Somebody's like, Jeremy won because he had a non horror film on there, and that shit made me laugh. But you know, he like me and Brandon had purposely left off um, Class 84, and I get it. You know, it is what it is. But yeah, Jeremy won. I, I purposely like left it off too, and it wouldn't have made it if I did leave it in. Yeah. So, dude, it's weird. Like, I don't know. That was, I, that was, that was one of the shows. I think we had. I'll, I'll do the math later, but I think we had the most repeats of all time. Um, as in, like, if you count every unique film on a list, like some years obviously have a lot more than others. Um, 96 had a lot of the same 86 had a lot of the same uh, 2002 even had a lot of the same but I want to say that this might break the record for the most of the same but I want to I want to I'll do an official count later but speaking of the 82 show we got some inductees to induct into the Hall of Fame because uh, we didn't keep track on the episode so we'll just do that on this episode yes so uh, the first film that qualified and made it in was poltergeist with a 28 out of 30 uh, total rating so what what did you you didn't have that one on your list did you moods no and that's I was, when you sent me the hall of famers i was like fucking seriously that didn't even make my top 10 and it's in the hall of fame <laughs> i could i completely was surprised i'm surprised to know that because i thought you loved that movie i do and love it you it, probably do but it's co- competition obviously <laughs> it is and like that was the problem i had about five or six films that were all fighting for a couple spots mm-hmm. and it's like i don't know man that's just what happens with these lists, I guess. But yeah, there was a tough one to leave off because I've watched it a couple times last year and I really enjoy that film. I mean, Spielberg did a great job directing that movie. <laughs> yeah. There he goes with the same joke. It's funny because it's fucking true. It's so true. It's just, it's just like four gay. Seven no, I love four gay. Oh, God, Jeremy, you're the worst. And everybody, you, know, you fucking repeat your same shit over and over again. I know. But, but I mean, the Toby Hooper thing is pretty funny. Yeah, the second film is probably the best film to make it, considering it did get three tens uh, from. I think it, it might have even got five tens, 
or six tens. I think did every single no Brandon gave it a nine point five. Uh, it's it's uh, the thing. Um, I gave it. A Moons 9. gave 5. it a ten. Did you? Yeah. Nine point five. You it has. No 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 no. I gave it a ten. I gave it. A 10. Yeah, I was about to say. Oh, Rob there's Brandon being different again with his nine point. Yeah. What? The, oh, seriously, how do you give the thing a nine point five? He 5? said. He said. I just don't remember what he said. Yeah, no, he said because he didn't like the ambiguity of the who's the thing when they're the oh, thing. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Brandon should get less, like, negative votes. Who had the, like, let's put a poll up who had the worst. Doesn't like the ambiguity uh, you, of because that. Because you only had one vote. That's so insane. You clearly have the no, worst idea. That's what adds worst to idea. The, that's what adds to the terror of it. That's a good point. Yeah. Fuck. Um, and then Creepshow made it. Uh, which was another film that I don't think made your list, right? No, Either of you guys? It didn't make my list. Man, I don't know what the fuck happened with Creepshow this year, but I rewatched it and I was like, yeah, I, I love Creepshow, but it's that one's another one that's kind of fallen off for me a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I still love Creepshow, don't get me wrong, but it's just yeah. I was having, you know, these lists are of the times and we know that. You know, these mm-hmm. lists always can change and stuff, but. But as at the day when I made the list, man, Creep Show just got it was sitting at number twelve for me. Yeah. So yeah, um, it's it's a rough one, you know. The, Creep Show in the opposite. The thing happened with me is I actually liked it more than I ever have watching it this time. So, you know that. And the irony is that the day after we recorded the show, I got the Scream Factory in in the mail. And uh, I was like, I was like, oh come on. Yeah. <laughs> well, it is what it is. So Creep Show makes it with a twenty-eight out of thirty. Uh, this is a this is a cool title to make it. Um, Tenebrae finally gets in because our original episode where we covered Tenebrae, I it was a nine point five from Moods, a nine from me, and an eight point five from Jeremy on episode one twenty, and that's not enough to make it in. I'm still but a little bit Brandon, shocked. I know I mentioned that before, Jeremy, but the eight point five, I it's still yeah. a film I would figure that you would. At least give it a nine. I bumped it up up to a nine. Did you bump it up in this episode? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Okay. Did I? I don't so, know yeah. if I get my rating, but yeah, um, you probably did. Yeah. Um. What was okay? Yeah. Yeah. You bumped it to a nine. Yep. You yeah. did. So, um, it makes it in with a twenty-eight point five. So, without Brandon, it would have made it in this year because of Jeremy bumping his rating up. I think. Um. Hmm. And uh, the final one was Alone in the Dark, which is a surprise. Making it in with Moods, Brandon, and Jeremy. Yep. Yeah, buddy. That's a good film. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it is a good film. But it's a surprise. Like, if you look at the titles that are there, I don't think many people would have predicted Alone in the Dark well, I wouldn't have because I I've never seen it until then. I was but, I was definitely saddened that the New York Ripper and pieces didn't make it. But then again, I looked at the list or I was thinking about it. and I was like, <laughs> I think only two people I even had the New York Ripper, and I think I might have been the only one with pieces. <laughs> so <laughs> that didn't even have a fucking chance. <laughs> yeah, the New York Ripper. That's an interesting one because um, that's actually a film that we did review on the show before. And what I don't know who had it on their list, Brandon. Yeah. yeah, Brandon had it. Or did Christian have it too? No, Brandon. Oh, no, Christian had it on there too, I think. Okay, so Brandon actually bumped his rating from the initially when we reviewed it. Um, he gave it a eight, uh, an 8 in this one. 
the hell and did he, he gave it a seven point five back when we originally reviewed it. God damn. Yeah. Yep. So those are the our five Hall of Fame inductees, which by the way is a record for twenty two shots. We've never had five inductees on one show. So that just speaks to the volumes of how strong nineteen eighty two actually was. Mm-hmm. We the, we had we had four on we knew that going into it, though, that it was going to be a solid year. I'm a little bit shocked that Friday the 13th didn't make it. I'm sad about that, actually. I mean, just a tad bit shocked. Because I know how much like you and Dave love the movie. and Brand's yeah. kind of a wild card. It's not even Christian. But... You know what almost kind of what I thought was like might have made it, surprisingly, was Halloween 3. Because it ha- it did get like a really high rating from Brandon, which is a nine point five. So like that kind of I was like, and and Dave gave it a nine. So if one, I think one other person gave it a nine point five, it would have made it in. And what place did they have it in the top ten? I don't remember. Because it's interesting. Because I have it rated as an eight out of ten, and I have it at number five. Bra- uh, Brandon has it at number two. <laughs> Holy fuck! <laughs> and Dave had it at number four. Yeah, I knew they were pretty high. That's crazy. Huh. And you had it at number five, and Christian had it at number six. And me, I don't know. Jeremy, did you have it? No. Me neither. <clears throat> huh. Wow. That was a fun show. That was good stuff. That was a fun show, man. I'm looking forward to 72. I'm not sure if we'll be able to get everybody back together. That's like a, such a rare thing to be, be able to actually happen. But we'll at least probably have one or two guests on that show um, from maybe from exploding heads and somewhere else, maybe two exploding heads. We don't know. We don't know, but it's, it's such a far way, way down the road. I'm not even prepping right now. I just got, I accidentally watched a film from 1972. <coughs> <Nice>. <laughs> so man from deep river, which is Italian. It is also known pretty as pretty good pretty actually good pretty good movie on i'm not going to lie it's a pretty good movie it is a good movie surprised me it surprised me especially considering i've seen umberto some of umberto lenzi's other films this one like a lot like very professional for 70 for 72 man from deep rivers like pretty well constructed and that's considered to be like the very first cannibal film and yeah. that's and that's according to Ruggiero Diodato He's like, no, Lindsay made the first one. Even though a lot of people don't consider it because there's not that much cannibalism in it. A little bit of There's cannibalism. But there it is. It counts. Yeah. Yeah. So and then like Diodato even because a lot of people credit Diodato with making the first ones, right? And it's not. It's Lindsay. Yeah. Good stuff. Pretty cool. That's good. I recommend Man from Deep River from seventy two. Yeah, it's good shit. Also known as sacrifice and a million other titles. Which is not. I like. I like man from. I said that in my review. I like man from Deep River better. It is a better title. Hey fellas, what? How about them bears? Oh, five and three. That wasn't really plus. overly. That wasn't really that's, overly. Surprising. That's good, man. I'm. I'm happy for you. Keel what about mess- those bills? Keel what actually messaged me today. And he's what like, oh, mess. what the fuck did he say, man? He's like, man, my bears beat the poo-poo out of you. <laughs> oh, yeah. like that. I was like, dude, I picked the bears. I'm glad they won. <laughs> Pittsburgh brutal. Dude, the, every the week, Bills man. are a fucking mess. Oh, They're dude. just They're a the mess. the worst team in football. <laughs> it's, they need to have a complete makeover. Like, staff. Didn't, they just, what, like, didn't they just try this? They got rid of everybody. 
Yeah, well, they need to do it again. <laughs> Shit ain't working. They need to start firing people, man. I know, it's just, this is bad, man. It's fucking bad. Like, the Browns have a bigger <sighs> upside right now than the Bills do, for sure. And that's bad. Anytime oh, yeah. you're below the Browns, you're like, man, we're really in a... Yeah, the Browns are the worst terrible. franchise in sports history. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't be below the Browns. It's ridiculous. <laughs> um, But yeah, so let's move this along. All right. Let's uh, let's get into some news. We'll do it live. Okay. We'll, no. we'll do it live. Fuck it. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Some newsity, newsity news. Okay, first little bit of news. I just wanted to talk about this because I thought it was great. thought it was some good news. Um, we got a teaser poster for Leprechaun Returns. And I thought that was awesome. And you're a fucking asshole. You did not announce that it was supposed to come out this year when we talked about it on the show. No, but Sci-Fi did. No, I don't remember them talking about it. When that trailer came out, they said uh, coming to Sci-Fi Channel next year or something. Oh, great. A Leprechaun sci-fi film. No, but it will be arriving on digital and on demand December. Yeah, this is actually earlier than expected. So I don't think it's actually playing on the Sci-Fi Channel. Well, it will in March. That's when they said it would. Are you kidding me? We have to do another franchise roundup show, and now two of the films are going to be Leprechaun films? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) i'm excited i don't know man i don't even know how to like should we just do i don't i'm not sure how i feel about that should we just do leprechaun one and two like in or the the genesis and ooh, or could we do a leprechaun themed show and do red clover with it (laughs) yeah we'll do do that in march yeah there's three more hall of painters really don't actually red clover is not that bad it's probably better than those leprechaun films they don't make a lot of damn St. Patty's Day themed films. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. Yeah. I like um I like I I didn't mind Origins. It's not a Leprechaun movie, mm-hmm. but it's not a bad little creature feature. It's just annoying that they called it Leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Well, As maybe, for Red Clover, it was okay. Maybe in twenty years or thirty years it'll be the Halloween three effect. Everyone should be like, dude, it's fucking so good. If you just forget Leprechaun, you know, it's a good, good creature feature. So this this Leprechaun, this new one, Leprechaun uh, Returns. Really original title. Yeah. Is actually a sequel to Origins the Origins and Returns. <laughs> These are so original. Oh, wait a minute. What? Yeah, it's a, it's a sequel to the original 1993 Leprechaun. Whoa, whoa. Origi- yeah, th- did you see the poster? No, I didn't. It's it's the leprechaun all gross looking climbing out of the well. So it's a sequel to part three, did you say? No, no, to part one. Oh, the to original. part one. Yeah. Okay, so how the hell would it be part three? That's just retarded. <laughs> well, the, the, the leprechaun franchise is all over the place in, in well that's yeah, what i'm saying this is this is the only idea. direct I, sequel in the entire new, series i want to do a new leprechaun film but guess what no it's gonna be sequel to part three well it's because they're trying to you know separate you know that stupid ass leprechaun in space. six guys so it could be okay 
Oh really? Oh man, this is That's okay. Kostnowski's directing it. So this is this is the hip thing to do right now. You know, make a sequel to the original film like so many years later, <clears throat> Halloween. Yeah. yeah. So, wow. Okay. So my question is this: like at first, everybody was like, "This is a made-for-sci-fi channel film," but is it, it might not be because it's being put out by Lionsgate on digital. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But maybe sci-fi just got the, the airing void, rights for it or something. Yeah, maybe the voids, uh, Steven Kostansky. That's pretty cool though. You know, that's a good director attached to a leprechaun film. Oh, this I'm could a, be the greatest leprechaun film. It could ever. be like, I'm excited because it could be like the new puppet master. Yeah, it could be good. Yeah. Yeah. You never Listen, know, man. I mean, well, look at the last shit, man. Like with the void and stuff, you know, you get a little bit of a budget and turned out pretty mm-hmm. fucking good. I love leprechaun. So the, here's the plot. The deadly wisecracking leprechaun is back in all his glory. <laughs> when the when the sorority sisters of Alpha Up Cylon <laughs> decide to go green and use the old well as their wa- water source, they unwittingly awaken a pint-sized green-clad monster. The leprechaun wants a pot of gold buried near Why the sorority the fuck house. Is a sorority using a but fucking well. First, how the hell do they not must, have running water? Well, she just he just told you that they wanted to go green. <laughs> um, That's retarded. Must, must recover his powers with a killing spree and only the girls at the AU can stop him. Who the fuck this is going to pump ridiculous. their water? You wake up in the in, you know in your sorority all fucking hung over and you got to go pump your water? Fuck that no, shit, this man. This is even this is even <laughs> what's more stupid kind of is <laughs> That we know that the original Leprechaun farmhouse was in like a like it was kind of secluded. Who the hell builds a sorority house where that was? <laughs> yeah, well, because they're generally close to the actual school they're going to. Yeah, that's amazing. That makes no sense. It would make more sense if a group of sorority girls went out to an old farmhouse for the weekend. No, but that right? you know that's too generic. <laughs> I don't know if that's more generic or less. I think it's less generic. <laughs> I don't know. It, well, it, it might be more generic, but definitely less convoluted. Well, guess what? It's only four weeks away, so I guess we'll find out. Is it seriously? I'm actually gonna buy it. I'm gonna rent this. Yeah, it's four weeks away from. This could today. make this. Could, this no, could really week, listen. Five weeks this away. comes out December 11th. We're recording the end of the year show. This is a must watch. What? This is a must watch because the end of the year show is like two weeks after that, three weeks after that. So it's five so, weeks from Tuesday. Are they going to have to watch this? I'm a little bit worried that they're not thinking this shit through, man. I mean, why release this it in December for the end of the year? I understand. You know, they're like, oh, yeah, all the f- people, they got to watch every goddamn movie, you know, to make their top 10 list or whatever. I yeah, doubt they're thinking about that. I know. I was just totally fucking around. <laughs> but anyways, but um, but like, why not wait a couple months, you know, hence it is three such months a weird time and release to... it in March, you know, for the actual special occasion of St. Patty's Day. I but, mean, it's well, kind of related. Because right? here's why. It's because they're going to release it on demand on December 11th and then they'll drop a DVD or Blu-ray in March. <laughs> but still, I mean it's out there. It's it's like Christmas time and you got leprechauns running around and shit like I don't hey, get that either. It it's is better weird. Than, it's better than the elf sequel. I'd rather have leprechauns than elves. <laughs> Dude, I puked in my mouth a little bit when I saw that. The the real question here is how many leprechaun movies are going to make my top 50 of all time? One leprechaun 3. I don't know. <laughs> God damn, I I don't know. Um, but no, seriously, Leprechaun Returns. Um, I just like the series, honestly. Um, the Leprechaun doesn't look half bad. You know, the, there's a picture of him up there. 
Mm-hmm. So we'll see what it's like. I, I, the plot sounds like they're going for 100% cheesy and ridiculous versus, you know, the the mixture of tones with you get, which you get in the first three, which I think are horror films, but they have comedy to them. This one sounds like pure comedy. <laughs> it does. Uh, going green in a sorority house? No, no, nobody in today's world is ever going to agree to that shit. Yeah. It's just not going to happen, dude. Mm-hmm. Sororities don't give a fuck about being green. They give a fuck about getting fucked up. Not having and to pump. Fucked. And not have yeah, and fucked. And not having to pump their water when they're hung over. Fuck that shit, man. No way. Can you imagine if they had to pump their water in sorority house massacre and when they fucking killed their Whatever. I'm gonna say something stupid. <laughs> whatever, that's the isn't that your role? The whatever is the punchline. Oh man, that was a perfect opportunity, like retard alert right there. But yeah. Yeah. New Leprechaun. Uh, okay, in December. That's fucking bizarre. Yeah. I just feel like people are going to need to see it because it might impact lists. Maybe, the, maybe there's a twist on it and it's taking place during the holiday season. That would be cool. Leprechaun, be during the leprechaun Christmas season? takes Christmas? Yeah. Uh, maybe he fucks an elf and there's a leprechaun elf. Well, you know, it, 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 it kind of got me thinking a little bit because I, I reviewed that movie 1031 for the last day of 31 Days of Horror. And there was a segment in there that actually mass mashed up uh, Christmas and Halloween together. And, and it just instantly blew my fucking mind. And I was like, I can't believe that no one has ever thought of, of this or yeah, done have. this before. What? With what? Nightmare Before Christmas. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, I guess. He got you. I guess. But I'm talking <laughs> about an actual, like, not animated fucking whatever. <laughs> but anyway, but it was, but no, but it was a cool, but the idea in this short was actually completely linked, right? Like it's, it's actually kind of cool. And I thought that was pretty interesting, but yeah. All right. Moving on. We have a little bit of an update. Apparently Fetty Alvarez has a script for the don't breathe sequel, which I just thought was dumb. Like it just does not feel like a movie that needs a sequel to me. Um, which you can say about most movies, but this one just really feels like it to me. I love don't breathe. It made my top 10 of, you know, 2016 or 15 or whatever year it came out. Um, but I would much rather see an Evil Dead remake sequel than a Don't Breathe sequel, which is two movies that he talked about. So he, he was out promoting. Script, What's that? He doesn't have a script for Evil Dead 2. But the Evil Dead 2 sequel makes sense. Don't Breathe yeah. doesn't make sense at all. Yeah. The only reason Don't Breathe makes sense is because it actually did well at the box office. Yeah, I get that. But what are you going to do with it? I don't know. He says he has a brilliant idea for a Don't Breathe 2. I remember he said that a while I back. Mean, but... All you're, all you're going to do is get the Strangers 2. Strangers mm. 2 wasn't too bad. There was one good Let's, scene. You can watch. No, dude. Strangers 2 was good. It yeah. was like it was not great, but it was it was solid. It was okay. It was it, it was it no. Could, the worst part about Strangers 2 is you look at it and you're like, this could have been so much better, dude, if you just zigged when you zagged. Am I right? Okay. Mm-hmm. He said zigged when you zagged. Oh, wow. That's, that's interesting. <laughs> you, don't, you don't think that it could have been better? Like, oh, You don't for think sure. it had bad potential there? Oh, like, it, it, I, it definitely did, man. I actually personally liked the setting that they used. I thought I that was the setting. That was kind of yeah. cool. 
that was kind of the cool. visuals were great i th- the, like there was some missteps there in terms of story like yeah that pool scene could have been scene of the year had it not ended the way it did yeah the end of that scene is ridiculous the scene after is better i'm sorry even the end of the movie was kind of ridiculous the real, the too. on fire truck coming on down the bridge is it, fucking does, awesome. it did have a very visual like sense to it like i like that about the movie it had and you could see you could like see the bag spot. you could see the bag man in the car and the fucking car's on fire and he's driving it down the fucking bridge that seems badass all right guys i get the point i think don't breathe is going to be okay then the sequel <laughs> <laughs> all right hey, so i'm not going to watch yes well you, i don't know it just seems like i don't know You'll watch it. What for sure? I'm well, curious. yeah, we'll definitely watch it. Um, yeah, he says he says okay. So he was out promoting the girl in the spider web, which is his new film, uh, and he said that uh, basically he wants to do both of those films eventually. Um, and he says it doesn't mean that we don't that we won't make them, and it and that I make them might not. Wait, and that I make them might not be that I'm directing. That was a weird way to say that. Wow, that but was really I'm, wordy. Uh, but I might be producing. Uh, they're just ideas right now, nothing uh, to announce officially. We do have a script for Don't Breathe 2. That's the only difference. We don't have a skip, script for Evil Dead 2, but we do have a script for Don't Breathe 2 that we wrote. So once I'm done with The Girl in the Spiders, Spiderweb... We're going to start thinking of ways to bring that story to the screen, me directing or me producing. It really depends on the time that we'll have. I'm particularly excited about that because it's really different sequel when it comes to sequels. It's very different approach, and I'm excited about that. I mean, that sounds good, right? Like, it's very different. So we're like, how can you make a Don't Breathe sequel? Well, you just don't make Don't Breathe. You just make something else. <laughs> you know what I mean? Where um, the fuck is the Collector 3, goddammit, if they're fucking going to make... I don't know. I'm thinking. I still about haven't seen now. the director collector two. Yeah. Where's that? Hmm. I thought Laid to Rest three was in the works for real. Yeah. Like, I don't know. This collector hmm. film's pretty good though. Yeah, they're good. I like them. Hmm. And they were theatrical. Fuck yeah! All right. So uh, this next bit of news is a little bit of uh, hometown news here. I want to throw this in there. It was all bloody disgusting. Um, Basically, uh, bloody disgusting says, we recently teamed up with the George A. Romero filmmaking program and Tom Savini's special uh, makeup effects program, um, both offered by Pennsylvania's Douglas Education Center to bring the new horror web series titled Flickr uh, the series features episodes directed by Robert Tennell, Tina Romero, that's George's daughter, and Tom Savini. We're extremely proud to be part of this series, which we, uh, which you can now watch um, on uh, bloodydisgusting.com, or I think it might be on their like Twitter or Facebook. Well, and maybe we'll like have that. more success than the retro screening series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Uh, Flickr was developed as a student production from George Romero's film school and Tom Savini's special effects makeup program uh, at the Douglas Education Center, a career school near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. The students worked under the guidance of the industry's pros, including the series directors Tom Savini, Tina Romero, and Robert Tennell. Uh, the, the episodes are designed as small, bite-sized chunks of horror, wherein we follow the e- exploits of the Flicker. <laughs> really? Really? 
that just, wasn't a sound effect. <laughs> I just want, I just want to interrupt and say, you know, happy birthday to Tom Savini. He's seventy two and he looks great. Yeah, he does actually. That's yeah, crazy. That body is like, I mean, you know, amazing. Mm. It's besides crazy. his hard nipples. That guy's in great shape, man. I just couldn't believe those pictures. It's insane. <laughs> it's <that> fucking fuck. <laughs> Okay. Sorry, JP. I know he's not amused, but no, um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. This is my fucking chair. I need to WD forty this thing. <laughs> that was not your chair. Yeah. Get the fuck out of here. Uh. Anyway, so uh, basically, it's a pretty cool little short series that um was made around here with uh, my coworker. Um, she helped on it, which is pretty cool. Did some makeup effects and stuff like that. Um, they had a big premiere that I couldn't go to because I was actually working for her so she could go. Um, but they had uh, um, one of the professional wrestlers from that she made like the mask for there from WWE, Tom Savini, you know, a bunch of people. There was some, there was, uh, there was some other people. I think Doug Bradley was there. But um, yeah, you met yeah. Doug Bradley. Too bad you didn't know who the hell he was. I know, right? <laughs> but I just thought that was cool. You know, this is this is this is all happening right down the road from me, and you know, it's cool that this filmmaking school seems to be getting bigger and better every year, as well as you know the special effects side of things. A um, lot of talented people coming to this area to to go to school and eventually leave this area and and actually are becoming you know successful people so it's cool um and you guys could check it out it's a, it's a pretty cool short series honestly like I, I watched them um they're really neat they look super retro like obviously that the idea behind it is that they're old you know like super old um but yeah it's pretty cool <laughs> so that's that good shit uh after that uh, apparently, there's an officially licensed, long unproduced sequel to Night of the Living Dead coming <laughs> from the original team. <laughs> so weird. Uh, yeah, it's you know, it's like well, I don't even really know what that. What I does mean, that mean? The original team. I guess Russo, right? I mean, the only I guess from the pe- like the v- last people alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. Never will yeah. happen. I mean, I wouldn't say that, but whether well, pretty high chance. Yeah. So it says. I mean, just, just I would uh, assume it is Russo involved. I, I don't. That's yeah. fucking random. Um, no, Living Dead Media told us this week. This is from Billy discussing. Night of the Living Dead first brought zombies to the silver screen in 1968. The world was unprepared for the film's flesh-starved ghouls, which resulted in a groundbreaking and commercial success. It remains one of the most influential and revered horror films of all time, and now sits in the Library of Congress in the Museum of Modern Art for its cultural significance. Written by John A. Russo and directed by George A. Romero, Night of the Living Dead created the foundation for the five Return of the Living Dead films that gave us Tar Man. What the fuck does that have to do with this? Tar Man? His famous catchphrase, more brains. Popularizing brain-eating zombies. This Wait, did we just get into a plug for uh, yeah, Return, Return of the Living Dead? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's kind of it's true, but... 
defining the modern dark comedy horror genre in the process. Romero's trilogy of Dead series also owes its roots to the classic. In addition, interesting how they only brought up the three. Romero's trilogy of Dead series also owes its roots to the classic. Hmm. Uh, in addition, Night of the Living Dead is not only credited with spawning a generation of zombie films, but all modern horror films. The history of Night of the Living Dead's place on the Mount Rushmore of horror films, known by most horror film fans and people all over the world, but unknown to the most is that the 1970s original writers and producers of Night of the Living Dead penned a sequel to their masterpiece. A lot of people don't know this. A sequel that inexplicably inexplicably has gone unproduced for over 40 years until now living dead media has brushed away the dirt from this amazing follow-up to the classic and brought together a great team to produce the new film the plan is to release night of living dead part two in 2019 says it's in pre-production the only way i would like to see that is if it's a period piece it's set in 1968 and it's like the next scene the next day you know what I mean? like the next scene like yeah, literally yeah, yeah. The, it like a straight sequel like that yeah black that, and white let's would, do the whole thing that would be cool actually yeah that would be cool you I get a couple dead. russo films next year night of living dead part two and then the midnight remake mm-hmm. which he is actually directing himself it's crazy so uh next little bit of news i want to throw this out there just because it's cool so um there is a blu-ray of how the grinch stole christmas that uh just came out the ultimate edition uh very similar to the george romero ultimate edition and dawn of the dead it has everything um and it basically one of the cool things that it has is it actually has the 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 more unknown short halloween is grinch night and it's actually rem- remastered for Blu-ray as well. Wow. So I thought that that was pretty cool because... Halloween um, and Christmas mashup. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> it, I think that it was only available on VHS until now. Huh, I don't think I've ever uh, seen that. But it's huh. it's just a bonus feature. Like, you don't need... It does, there's nowhere on the package <laughs> you see, like, on the front of it, like, advertised. But I actually picked up a copy of this because I remember seeing it as a kid and I've always wanted to revisit it. So I <laughs> bought the Grinch... On Blu-ray specifically for the Grinch, uh, the Halloween is Grinch night. Um, so that's pretty cool. I just hmm. thought I'd throw that out there. It's a steelbook, it. right? Or is it just? Um, there's actually a couple versions. I have the one with the little Funko Pop in it. Yeah. Um, which was actually cheaper than the regular version, which was weird. Huh. The Funko Pop version at my Walmart was like twelve dollars. And the regular standard Blu-ray was thirteen or fourteen, or it was fifteen dollars actually. So if yeah. you want to see the new one, I think it looks okay. I'm gonna go see it. I like the Grinch. I just uh, like I love their I love that studio. Illumination does some good stuff. Yeah, I mean the original short is a classic that I watch all the time. So yeah, every Christmas. But um, after that. This is like the last little bit of news here. Um, besides, okay, there was actually this other thing. Director Mary Lambert, uh, original Pet Cemetery director, is going to be directing a film called Darlene. Just, just throwing that out there. Um, so, yeah, everybody says there's not enough women directors and stuff. Mary Lambert's making a new movie. Gotcha. Gotcha yep. covered. Um, and then this final little bit of news, I thought I'd throw this out here just because it's really bizarre. Uh, the Satanic Temple is taking legal action against Netflix over the chilling adventures of Sabrina statue. 
So, um, this is funny. So the, <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah. So basically, the Satanic Temple and the Church of Satan are taking legal action against Sabrina. This new show that's on Netflix. It said they say yes, we're taking legal action regarding the Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, appropriating our copyrighted monument designed to promote their asinine satanic panic fiction. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm amazed that anybody is confused as to why we would seek le- legal remedy over Sabrina using our monument. Would they be as understanding of a fictional show that used a real mosaic as the headquarters for a terroristic cell? A fiction blood liable tale implicating real world Jews? Question mark. Um, Then the the guy Graves tweeted, um, I want them to take it out. It looks like CGI... (laughs) <laughs> to begin with, I don't know how much work it takes, but I simply refuse to have. Oh my god! I'm looking at their website, website, and there's a there's a there's a section called After School Satan, and they're trying to sell a book called The Satanic Children's Big Book of Activities, <laughs> <laughs> and you could buy it at shopsatan.com, and so only five dollars. And on that website, you could also buy. Your membership card, which is twenty five dollars and looks very much like a KKK card, and Dude, you buy get, a mug. Can we join this? Can twenty two shots join? Can we get a Can we get a card? Yeah, it's twenty five bucks. Okay, maybe we should. And we can join them at the Satanic Temple in Salem, and it's open only to members. So we could go and go to Salem and go to a Satanic. I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. Me too. So uh, I have actually looked at the picture here, and yes, it is like the exact same monument. Like they they copy it pretty directly. Um, so if that is in fact copyrighted, I guess Netflix is. Well, I don't think they trouble? would be putting legal action forward if it wasn't copyrighted. That'd be silly. Yeah. So. Oh yeah. By the yeah. way, the temple is only open September twenty second through October twenty sixth. So. Uh, just missed it. Just missed it. Um, but anyway, Damn. I actually watched The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is a reboot of sorts to Sabrina the Teenage Witch. And I got to say, very solid show. I'm only two episodes in. It is. I see an article. It's like, this is not your mama's Sabrina. And they're right. It's like full of legit, like satanic, like awesome stuff in it. You know, it's it's pretty fucking cool. Like it, it's it's dark. Comic. It's more it's fun dark, though. man. Wait, the comic? Yeah, it's based off a comic. Uh, and you read the you read the comic. I read the comic. I read the um, the Archie comic too, where uh, there's an Archie comic where uh, I didn't even know you Archie, read comics. Archie and Jughead, <laughs> Archie and Jughead turn into zombies. It's really good. I forgot what the name of it is. I have it in my closet, but mm. yep. Anyway, yeah, this 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 Along show is pretty solid. Oh, it's a net. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, man. It's a Netflix. Uh, sh- that was actually a really good joke. Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> um, but th- it's a Netflix show. It's good. Watch it if you haven't seen it. Check it out. I'm also hearing the Haunting of Hill House is really good, but I just don't have the time to to get into shows right now. But I did watch the first two episodes of Sabrina, and and I really liked it. I know it already got renewed. <laughs> yeah, it's dark. It's 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 a it's a cool show. Hmm. 
What about Heather Lincoln Camp says she'd love to play Nancy Thompson one more time? I mean, yeah, that's. What I else mean, the I fuck didn't really think doing, it was so. news, but yeah, I I think it would be a good idea, honestly. Like you think about it, and you're like, well, th- the reason Jamie Lee came back is because she's like a, a, a an actual like good solidified actress. But if you think about it, Nancy Heather Langenkamp has been in three Elm Streets and one late into the series. So she can lead that film. I got no problems with that, man. I think that would be awesome. Nancy is besides us. It's not like Laurie Strode. Well, everybody knows Nancy, though. Like a lot of like like not it's not as big as Laurie Strode, but that's because you're talking about literally the biggest Maybe Sidney Prescott, but Laurie Strode is the biggest protagonist in horror. Yeah, I think a you lot know, of people just went female. Who the fuck is Sidney? Sidney? No, 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 no. People know Sidney Prescott. Nobody, nobody knows who Sidney is. Scream, uh, bro. Even I know that. <laughs> nobody even knows the movie Scream. Fuck that movie. Um. Oh, dude, God damn it! I watched <laughs> it again the other day, and it, it 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 is still a perfect movie to me. You guys should watch History of Horror. Eli, Ross I am is, watching it. It's fucking great. awesome. It's awesome. Great. I don't think I, I have it. the channel, man. To be honest, AMC. No, I mean, I yeah, I don't think I actually have the channel. You, what no, I mean, channel we, does The Walking Dead come on? No, no, no. We have AMC, but I'm, I'm wondering. Oh, okay. You mean you don't have it in your cable package? Yeah, yeah I just fucking because I have like That's cheap ass. Really has cable packages anymore. That's the thing. I have like the cheapest cable because I don't watch TV. <laughs> so, but I'm pretty sure we got AMC though. Yeah, but good. Uh, it is good though. I've, it is good though. I've been yeah, I like it. I think people are hating a little bit too much. It's not made for fucking the hardcorest of hardcore fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? People were like, they didn't even mention Bay of Blood or something. And yeah, they actually do. But I'm saying like they don't like people are acting like it's supposed to be this thing that is going to teach hardcore fans about horror. No, dude, it's 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 a it's a nice little gateway for people who are fucking watching that shit you know on like amc yeah like it's not gonna be the most in-depth like underground shit that they're talking about Mm -hmm. obviously they're talking about the classics and and some lesser known they actually do talk a lot about stuff that's a little lesser known i noticed Mm -hmm. but i like it i think it's good i'm enjoying it um so that's the news all right cool no releases nothing um your job yeah well no he usually has some the grinch got announced i don't i have a hard time keeping up with those week to week unless we're doing a weekly show it's hard for me to remember when stuff was announced so yeah no i agree i agree no i'm not doing the fucking release that we went through this shit man there's no good okay. sources anymore, and it's bullshit, and they're always fucking wrong. So Dates why the fuck wrong. do you ask JP to make him look like the asshole then? No, he always does like one or two releases at the end, like big ones. Yeah, it was only the Grinch cool. that I had. That's out now, though. <laughs> cool. All right, that's the news. Fucking thing sucks! Moving along. Let's get into some box office brawl. Uh, let's get ready to Bing, 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 and bing, and bing, bong. All right. Wait, this week. before we get into it, have we decided? Or is it ending at the end of the year and then we start fresh with another one? 
or are we fit, are we playing this one out? Like, how are we doing this? Uh, playing we, it out. Okay. I think we should do it at the start it fresh at the end of the year. I think we should do because well, it kind of makes sense to start it over because then it would be the box office brawl for the 2019 year. Yeah, you know, because we always talk about like money and like how much stuff makes in the year. Okay, you know what I mean? Makes sense. And also, I mean, it's a runaway win for for me against you, but it's this could this could decide me and moods right here. We're tied at. uh, Oh, we never recapped Halloween actually, so I'm up by one right now. I think. Hmm. Anyway, so Halloween, what did it make? Yeah, that ha- that was stupid. Uh, curveball, give me one second. Halloween opening weekend. Halloween made seventy six million two hundred twenty one thousand five hundred forty five dollars. Wow, seventy six million. Yeah. So I, we were talking about. Uh, I don't know if it's gonna make that much, and then I was like, uh, you know what? I'm just gonna say that it's gonna make a little bit more. So I put one. One hundred thousand or one million ahead of Jeremy. Um, I guess sixty-one. He guessed sixty, but I wasn't even. It, it, my head wasn't even in that area until he said sixty. So that even shows how much more it made than I even expected. I was thinking truly, the game is one thing, but truly, what I think, I thought I was thinking it was going to make like forty-five, fifty million or something. Yeah, well, so, I, that's where I was at. I I think I had forty-nine. Yeah. So I. This seventy six bullshit. That's insane to me. Yeah, so that that leaves me twelve to twenty against Jeremy, and he's talking about extending. He's just talking about keeping the game going. <laughs> so, um, and then moods versus Jeremy. Um, this is interesting because this this ties it up. This ties it up for moods and Jeremy. Yeah, he's beat me in like the last few weeks. So yeah, so moods and Jeremy are tied tied at fourteen apiece. And then me and Moods, I pulled a hand. Hey Moods, do you want to put want to put on the line your Fangoria against my Cannibal DVD? Oh, <laughs> fuck this man! I'm losing every fucking week here. It's a bad time to make that bet. Shit. So okay, so this is this is big big stuff here. So if this is our last one, I beat Jeremy. He's gonna owe me a Blu-ray. But me and Moods are tied. I might owe Moods a Blu-ray. He might owe me a Blu-ray. And then Moods and Jeremy are, or J- Jeremy and Moods are tied 14 14, so it could go either way. And then me, I'm one ahead of Moods, so he could tie it and force it into a, t- and it would just be a tie for the year. We won't owe each other anything. Oh, or, there's one more at the end. Uh, is there? Yes, we have that possession movie. Okay, so the okay, possession so, of Hannah Grace. And that's a wide release. Wide release from Sony and Screen Gems on November thirty. Okay. So then there's two left, guys. Two I already left. Know, I already know that shit's gonna bomb just by the title. Uh, this, this is too close. This is definitely close. So I gotta put in a good bit on this. So what do we got up for this week? We got Overlord, the Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams, World War Two horror monster mashup, whatever the fuck it is. It looks pretty good. It does look good. It's got a great reviews. It's getting reviews. good reviews. It's 100% fresh. Or not 100%, but, you know. That's like 90%. Yeah, yeah, certified fresh. Hmm. But how is it going to do at the box office? $17 million. Wow. How many theaters is it in? That was, like, way over what I was predicting. 2500 <laughs> It's in 2500 Hmm. 
It's a pretty good guess. 2,500. Hmm. 17. Wow, that's like really high. I was not even in that ballpark, man. That's. Uh. I'm going to say 16 million. Oh, man. Okay, well, I'm going to come in about 11. All right. It's a zombie. And the film. only reason I, I'm lower is because if it was in more theaters, I think it would do good, but 2,500, it just. That's right now, like that's though. It could go up. It could. You said 11 moods? Yes. All right, so this is a big game for moods here. Yeah. I don't think it's going to do. I don't know. This is a toss-up one, too, man. Zombie film. I don't know. I don't know how people are feeling about zombie films at the moment. Not good, I don't think. I don't think so, either. And hmm. I'm really surprised that that possession film is getting a wide release. It's crazy. Yeah, that is weird. Never even heard of it. Right, so as of right now, we at least have one more after this. But, we'll, I mean, sometimes there's stuff that we don't notice, too, so we'll see. But it is just till the end of the year, then we'll start it fresh. Yeah, we'll do, like, the 2019 edition of yeah. Box Office Brawl. And then we'll... Is it going to be, like, the whole year thing, or are we going to cap it out yeah, at 22? Yeah, do it the whole year. See whole what year. the score is? Okay. That's not a bad idea. Cool. That's it for Box Office Brawl? Yeah, buddy. Alrighty. Yeah. All right. So moving along, JP, do you have a they said what for us this week? I do have a they said what, and I have two of them actually. So, uh, goddamn. First up, this film came out in a year, and it was reviewed. So this film is – this is the review, by the way. This film is billed as a thriller, and it's a pretty good one. But its scares are one – are on a, a much more basic level than in, say, a thriller by Hitchcock. Don and Nelly. No. You're supposed to guess the title. Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> and then the review. Uh, mostly by exploiting our fear of the dark. We keep following the hero into dark rooms, dark alleyways, dark parks, dark corridors, and dark basements, and that makes us very uneasy. I looked around the theater and found people unconsciously leaning forward in their seats as sort of squinting as if they could vicariously spot any danger to the hero. That's what thrillers are all about. Of course, it comes at night. No. Fuck. You blew it. I always fucking (laughs) blow it at these. Yeah, every so often someone gets killed, but actual violence is never what a thriller is really about. Thrillers employ anticipation, fear, and feeling of importance. They work best when we're afraid the hero or his girlfriend and can't help. uh, We're afraid for his hero or girlfriend and can't help them. Uh, They can't help themselves. One of the most effective scenes in this film, for example, and this might probably give it away, uh, comes when the hero's girl is alone in their apartment and the killer starts hacking away at the door. Lights are out, the lights are out, and the phone is dead. The girl collapses into hysteria and crawls around on the floor, and we, and we desperately want her to pull herself together and do something, but she doesn't, and the killer keeps hacking away. Um, it, okay, so nobody can guess this from this, I guess. I thought it would be a little bit easier, but okay, let me tell you what the film's about then. Uh, this film is about an American who stumbles into police in search for a maniac murderer 
Like a typical Hitchcock uh, innocent by bystander, he is first suspected of being guilty and then uh, enmeshed in a deadly relationship with the killer. The killer wears black gloves and a black cape and a black slouch hat and looks like the shadow and leads the hero into an investigation that turns up all sorts of interesting characters, including an artist who eats cats, a pimp who has to add so long to the end of every sentence to keep from stuttering and in association with retired uh, pugilist. How does nobody know this? I don't I know. I gave away the whole fucking film? movie. I have no, no idea what it is. Film? Like, I only plan on reading, like, one it paragraph. Like I read so five many paragraphs. <laughs> It's a three-star review out of four. Keep going. That's it. That's the whole review. You dra- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I guess it's a troll then. Nobody knows. I don't fucking okay. know it, It's the bird with the crystal plume, which I thought the cat-eating thing would have gave it away, but... <laughs> Dude, the it whole time... Bro- uh, the whole it's time, like every giallo. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, it has to be a giallo. I'm like, what the fuck is it, though? I'm like, I don't know. I figured the cat-eating thing would have gave it away, though. Now that you, now that yeah, now that you really ring it in my ears for sure. Yeah, the bird with the crystal plumage. Three yeah. stars by Roger Ebert. He gave Argento's uh, film a three star review. This yeah. segment is all about That's embarrassing our asses, man. Because <laughs> I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think. I'm like, That's the first one I've missed. Yeah. I'm like, what yellow yeah. is this? But it, I don't know. <laughs> it just what nothing was sticking out to me. I don't know. It's fucking weird. I like how he like disses it for having like gore and violence in it. He's like Hitchcock would never do that, <laughs> but he did do that. <laughs> yeah, that's bizarre. yeah, that's bizarre. Earth, right? <laughs> and Psycho. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, the other one. Okay, let's get to the other one. All right, I, I'll make this one a little bit easier. <laughs> After a disastrous night out, a young couple returning home to to finish the night find themselves being haunted. By a trio of straight strangers. The strangers. <laughs> the strangers? <laughs> it is the strangers. Oh, what the fuck? <laughs> I, I, it, it's Donna a trio Nelly. of strange intruders is what I was trying to it's say. Donna but Nelly. It is Donna Nelly. I remember reading that. That's some bullshit. It pissed me yeah. off. Uh, this He gave it a one star. Um, That's not even fair. You read this it. before? I didn't even get a chance. Fuck. For the most part, this was a pretty bland and wholly disappointing effort. You, know why? you know, I didn't know why it was coming because JP said, I'm going to talk about this on what, who said what in the comment section. That's why I keep on saying Don and Ellie. Cheated. <laughs> Cheated. Uh, so just, just the first little excerpt from this. Uh, for the most part, this is a pretty bland and wholly disappointing effort. The main obstacle that hinders this one is the same feature that usually affects most in the genre. So much character stupidity to further the plotline of the film. I, well, Don, you probably shouldn't watch Diallo's then. Uh, this is Jersey one... Shore Shark Attack a 9.5, <laughs> but it gives the strangers a 1. This is one... Apparently those characters are is... smart in those movies. Yeah, <laughs> this one is predicated on everyone running into danger simply to get themselves into more danger, not just from failing to recognize anything is going on until it's too late, but also by blatantly ignoring directions given to them by just moments before running out of uh, out to investigate any possible noise around them, which provides the perfect launching point for them to get ambushed and to do it all without any kind of weapon open hand 
despite several opportunities to have a weapon or self-defense of some sort of them to do so. That felt like a long sentence. Um, <laughs> but anyway, yeah, he says this one's basically not very good. Wow. He gave it a one star out of five for The Strangers. <laughs> Jeremy, that's your one of your favorite horror films ever. So yeah. that translates to a two out of ten? That's, wow. Yeah. How do you feel about that? I just don't give a shit whatever Donanelli says, clearly, because he's been on our show and he's given The Massacre a 9 out of 10. That movie's fucking awful. And then he gives this one a 2 out of 10. That guy could suck my balls. <laughs> That's so funny. I have nothing to say to his foolish ass. <laughs> Where's my phone? Wow. Fucking retard. <laughs> okay, so uh, that was They Said What? I'm Stop cheating, Jeremy. Not my fault you said you were going to say it. Well, the strange that was, yeah, that was a little bit easier. But well, I messed up by announcing what <laughs> the film was by accident. He put strange in the goddamn opening of his review and it it got, it, it tricked me. <laughs> All right, so that's they say what. Moving along. We got a voicemail this week. You've got mail. Dude, we totally do have a voicemail. Nice. Isn't that crazy? Doesn't anybody listen to my outro? No. <laughs> they don't. All right, here's our one and only voicemail. Ready? Yep. No. Ready? No. Hey, guys, it's Florence. It's been a while, and I have a question for you. Yes. This is maybe an experience that you guys have, but when I was younger... JP, stop it. I'm just eating. I happened upon the ending of two movies a few days apart. And it was only later that I found them. And they were Ticks and Goobies 2. Now, the first few scenes that I had for when I got involved in horror were probably those two movies because these movies were unlike anything I'd ever seen before. My parents didn't really let me watch more, so... It was something I was really intrigued by, and even though the movies may be bad, I still find I love them simply because of that nostalgia factor. Have you ever had any movies where you've seen only a piece of it and you've had to hunt down those things just to see them for their entirety? And were they still, were they good because it was nostalgic or because the movies themselves were good? That was actually a good question. Have you ever seen a movie on TV, saw a piece of it, not known what it is, and then have to track it down later? No. <laughs> Jesus. I'm being honest. What did you do as a child? Well, we clearly know what I did as a child, what I do now. What? Nothing. <laughs> Moods, have you? I'm trying to think, Ben. So specific. See? Fuck you. He doesn't know either. Well, I'm, d- I'm oh, just thinking well, specifically off TV. Specifically off TV. Hmm. I mean, I, I you sit there and think for a second. Uh, they, I have so many that this has happened to me for. 
Um, because when I was growing up, there was no guide. You couldn't just see what was on, what the title was. You had to just either wait till the end, and sometimes they said it, or you had to go to like Channel Five and watch this scrolly thing oh, go across the screen. Those. I until remember you, those until it came up, but then you were missing the film. So and pay per view always went on those channels. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I think that one of the ones that I could think of off the bat is a movie. Actually, this was what probably one of the last times it ever happened to me. It was a movie called Dead End, and uh, this is a film with Lynn Shay set on Christmas. It's one of my favorite. Three. Yeah, one of my favorite horror films right now. But back in like 2003, when it came on Showtime, I didn't really know I, for whatever reason there was no guide or something, and it, I just happened upon it. And I was watching it, and I was like, wow, this is really cool. And I couldn't find out what it was until doing some Google searching. Another film was a film that I watched uh, as a kid on Joe Bob Briggs' Monster Vision, which this happened a lot on Monster Vision because I wouldn't remember what the title was. It was The Hand, which actually, coincidentally, is the first episode that Joe Bob hosted, I think. Hmm. And... uh. I think Oliver Stone's The Hand. Is it Oliver Stone film? I don't even know. Do you know? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah. The Hand, which is fucking so stupid of me because it's like the movie's about a killer hand. What do you <laughs> yeah, think it's really? called? <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, yeah. uh, what could it be? Like The Fingers of Violence or something. You know, like what is the title of this movie going to be? It's, well, clearly it's The Fucking Hand. Um, but I found that I remember seeing that as a kid being real like freaked out by it because it's like fucking killer hand and uh, later finding that another one was Phantasm like which makes sense like how the hell would I ever know what that was called uh, I remember seeing Phantasm as a kid not knowing what it was eventually finding it out um, Ice Cream Man that was a big one I remember watching Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as a kid with my cousin which was my- on Monster Fishing by the way yes watching it on monster vision with my cousin i'd seen it before love willy wonka and we were like basically i don't know we're like messing around and then ice cream fucking man came on after it and it started out in black and white didn't know the title of it Hmm. watched it you know years later i was that one just so happened i was knew it was about an ice cream man and i was like you know just eventually saw a pit film called ice cream man i was like i bet that's that movie <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah that was one that i i remember seeing like renting on vhs like years later but at the time i loved it i remember seeing it on monster vision just loving it and then not seeing it for a while um but that happened to me all the goddamn there's still to this day films that i had seen on there then I'm like, I wonder what that was, <laughs> you know? Parents was another one, but I've never revisited Parents since I seen it on Monster Vision. Uh, the and I do have the Vestron, so that's why I'm actually like kind of holding off. Like I loved watching it on Monster Vision when I was a kid, but I barely remember anything. And I'm kind of just like looking forward to eventually seeing it because I've never seen it since Monster Vision, and it took me forever to find out what the title was, and then I eventually found out. And so that's that. I, I, I there was a lot growing up that this happened. This happened to me all the time. It's a pain in the ass. But did you think of any moods? Yeah, I could think of one uh, okay. for sure, which was Dead Heat. Uh, the- Dude, that's one of mine. That's one of mine. I swear to God. Yeah, I seen it as a kid. Have this like a real young kid too. Have this memory of like a pig or something. It's like something 
didn't know what it was till recently, dude. I had this memory forever, and I was like, what the hell was that movie? Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's one of mine. I just that's always crazy. remember Joe Piscopo in it. I was like, you know that dude that was on SNL? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I, I always remember that one. I can't honestly think of too many more. TV was a big deal to me. One of mine was Mosquito. Another one was actually Ticks. I'd never seen, I didn't know what Ticks was. You were Figures so high on mosquitoes t- coming out, and then you never really talked about it. Dude, I love mosquitoes. I know. I did it for a movie night. All right, Mr. Talking When Mouth's Full. How's that any different than me doing this? Dude, don't do that. Stop, man. Oh, but you can talk with your fucking <laughs> mouth full of food? It's you, not man. like a shocking, loud, hurt-in-your-ear noise. Ah, fuck off. Like, people listen to the show with headphones on, dude. Oh, actually, I have another one, too, man. I just thought of one. Body Parts from 1991 it's got um just pick that up on laserdisc yeah man that was a movie right there that i remember seeing and having no clue what the fuck it was until way down the road it's got brad dorf in it which we'll actually talk about brad dorf later um but yeah it's a good movie it's it's like a super out of print dvd and shit needs a fucking good release but it's a good movie I just yeah. I literally but just picked that up. That was one ago. forever i couldn't figure out what the hell it was until probably in the 2000s and, all right. and I'm stuck with the VHS now. <laughs> That's all I have. <laughs> That's cool. So, yeah. All right, Jer, since you don't have any. Doesn't Moots have to do an introduction? Oh, yeah, that was it for the voice. Oh, yeah, there was only one yeah. voicemail. Okay, so, <laughs> cool. Well, thanks again for the voicemail. And again, man, hit us up if you want to leave some voicemails, because uh, apparently we're answering them now. 724-426-6665. Yeah. Remember that off the top of my head. Yeah, right. yeah, we, we, yeah. The voicemail's been back forever, but it's like when it broke, everybody was like, "Guess I'm never calling the voicemail again." Then I fixed it, and then nobody <laughs> called the voicemail. We used to get tons of them. Yes, we did. <clears throat> me. All righty, moving along here, man. Jeremy, let's get into some dead mail. All right, since everybody was crying that Dead Mail went away, I bring it back. Episode 100. They were just being nice. You know what, dude? Suck my dick. Episode 159. Uh, on this cover, we have from Episode January. Episode 159? No, issue number 159, sorry. From January 1997, the worst year of horror. We have Tim Burton's Mars Attack on the cover. And on the side, we have the X-Files. <laughs> Double dose of Yuletide Terror with Black Christmas and Christmas Evil, Necromanicon, and You'll Scream for Wes Craven's latest. So this is the issue that talked about Scream when it was getting made. Oh, okay. What was that one? Necronomicon? Necronomicon was on there? Okay. Scream had already been out by then. Yeah. You'll Scream scream Maybe it's a review or something. Scream Uh, 2. Let me see what it says. Oh, whatever. Let's read some. Let's read some stuff. All right. All right. John Carpenter is my favorite director. I own every laser disc he made. Saw <laughs> in the mouth of madness thirteen times in the theater and have nearly every line from the thing memorized. On opening day from Escape from Loser. L.A. On opening day from Escape from L.A. As you could imagine, I grabbed my girlfriend and rushed off to see a film yeah, I have been waiting months for. Jesus, fuck you! What? We always comment on the things as they're going. I never thought I would see a Carpenter movie with the 
with virtually no redeeming qualities, but unfortunately, now I have. I have. Paycheck. I never had a good feeling about this film from the start. Carpenter hates sequels. He says that quite plainly, yet the studio <clears throat> were pushing him to do this thing. I almost feel as if he purposely made it bad to spite them. Regardless, the movie sucks. Please give Carpenter some money to make Creature from the Black Lagoon. It's something he wants to do. See, that's interesting. Um, this movie mocks Escape from New York. Each scene plays like Carpenter took it directly from that film, lamified it, then spewed it out. Mm-hmm. The basketball scene is just like the one in the first film when Snake fights the giant guy. I knew what would happen before it happened. Even Carpenter was telling the studio to screw off with this movie or his later experiment is a failure. He's still my favorite director, though. See, I hate people like this guy. Because I guarantee you Carpenter didn't make a bad movie to intentionally piss off the studios. That's only hurting his own career. Oh, I thought you were talking about the fact that he started out with, yeah, I'm a big John Carpenter fan and I own all of his laser discs. That's Jeremy talking right there. I didn't even realize he was was reading. I didn't even realize he was reading for a second. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, like why would John Carpenter intentionally make a bad movie to piss off the studio? Like why wouldn't he just not do the movie to piss off the studio? You know what I mean? Like what what is pissing off the studio help you in any way whatsoever? Like why can't John Carpenter have just made a lazy bad movie for money? Well, I always thought it was just a straight paycheck too. I mean, yeah, he, that's he definitely... what I'm saying. This guy's such a big Carpenter fan that he can't he can't imagine that Carpenter just made a movie lazily and didn't, you know, that just did it for a paycheck and didn't have no, you know, what I mean? Like he made a bad movie. It is true. Right? Am I right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Definitely true. I mean, I mean, Carpenter's been no, like he didn't have his his heart set in in uh, Village of the Damned either. That was one of those things too. So, I guess yeah. it, pretty much actually kind of ironic a little bit because you know Village of the Damned and Escape from L.A. came out back to back, and then he did one of his probably one of his better films, you know, and underrated films in the Mouth of Madness around the same time. So, yep. But yeah. Okay, let's see. This one comes from The Killer, No Address. And he writes, <laughs> I've, um, I've taken notice of many... Wait, let me grab this back. That's what she said. Uh, I've taken notice of many letters recently complaining about how bad your movie criticism is, and I disagree <laughs> with most of these people. First off, a review of some duds like In the Mouth of Madness, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers, <laughs> and The Return of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre definitely hit the mark. Dr. Cyclops' reviews are Return very scandalous. Texas Chainsaw too. Massacre? Although it is interesting that, was that he is covering... the original title for part four. Okay. More of the mainstream movies rather than some of the direct-to-video and independent films that his column seems to depend on. Even though I think he is slightly losing it, this thing just about every movie he sees. Also, getting K.S. Ballone to cover last year's prolific but mediocre horror output was interesting since he always had something blah blah blah. I just thought it was funny. It said the return Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That's all uh, that that's what you thought was funny? Yeah. I, uh, hold on. That <laughs> return Texas breaks. Chainsaw Massacre is actually a title that like that's a pretty common known thing. I'm surprised you guys didn't know that. Um and also funny thing that reminds me of Return to Texas return of the texas chain what's a dumb title by the way but um i was watching children of the corn three the other day and uh 
Why? I watched it on VHS. I, I just like it. <laughs> you like I that Chicago just, setting? I, I had it's some, so authentic. I had some free time. <laughs> had some free time, and I was just like, you know what? I'm, I, I was going through some VHS. I'm trying to watch stuff that I, I haven't watched on VHS just to make to make sure they work, like stuff that I bought. Do you watch them on and, an old TV, like an old tube no, TV, or do you watch, I them, watch on them on a I watch them on a small HD TV. It's like 19 inches. It seems to cut down like the bad quality that you get from watching VHS on HD TVs. Yeah. Um, but cause I know what you mean. Like VHS on, on HD f- big screen TVs is so trash, but if you watch it on a smaller, like a CRT. Screen, yeah. Yeah. But, um, I was watching it and at the beginning, uh, they show all the previews and they showed a preview for Halloween six, 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 the origin of michael myers and it even like says that and i'm like oh shit this is back when they called it the origin yeah. <laughs> it was like before the <laughs> they recut the film and and put it out and stuff so that was kind of cool yeah, yeah. that's kind of cool yeah. speaking of that here's something that's kind of related to that this comes from ryan harding and he writes it's a familiar story a hopeful director previews his film to a test audience Often people in a mall, which some of you will recall, inspired the social commentary of Dawn of the Dead. They hate it. Changes are made. The new diluted one sub- suspects product is released and fails at the box office, and horror fans write Fangoria to proclaim their displeasure with the film, left to wonder what might have been. Think about some of the movies that have undergone test screenings. Videodrome and Lords of Illusion immediately spring to mind. After the test audience's input, changes were made. Neither film took the box office by storm, which was a shame since both films were original and well-crafted. In other words, test audience test audiences will not help a movie's grosses and may end up sabotaging what genre admirers were hoping for. Recently, I heard that Thinner was held up for release because of three guesses. A test audience's dissatisfaction with the ending. Uh, at least no one could blame the director for altering King's work. The test audience caught a free movie with a nonchalant polls apart from the eagerness that readers of this magazine would have shown. If audiences, if audience testings continue, the questionnaires should ask things like, have you seen Suspiria or do you know who David Cronenberg is? If the reply is negative, then tear up the card. Root out the people who don't grasp horror's impact on surreal levels because they don't deserve to judge this kind of film, much less see it before the people who care. Yeah, that's always been a problem. I've always been against uh, test audiences because of that exact reason. Because the people that are seeing these films and these test audiences are not the fucking crowd that these movies are being marketed to. It's bullshit. That that is true. Like there's multi layers to what this guy just said. So one, his idea of asking them if they saw a Cronenberg film or know who Suspiria is. Well, it's kind of giving them a, it's giving them an opportunity. (laughs) It's giving them an opportunity to give them a little bit of street cred. No, but that's a terrible idea because those aren't the people that are making the money for these movies anyway. That's just the people who are going to like these movies. It doesn't, that it, it doesn't matter that doesn't matter because that's not where the people who like horror are not the people that um, are your are your big chunk of money coming from. However, what you said about the the p- biggest but you still want to make the, the movies that, for the fans though too, you know. Well, I think you want to make the movie for as w- wide of an audience as possible. Well, of course, when you're going for a wide release. But I just think know? when you have a lot of people that are making these decisions by voting on a card whether to cut this or put this or take that out or whatever. 
I think it affects the product well, that, that was, my was intended problem. was intended for the the core audience of what they're you know what they're shooting for. You know, see I, that. Well, that's my second part of what I was saying is that that's the biggest problem is the people that they're actually getting for the test audiences aren't a fit. That's not actually a representation of the whole as well. So yeah, do you have, think like a lot of so people, both things. Both like Halloween didn't make a boatload of money just because. Well, that's why I think I figure the way he says, you know, give him a card and ask him a question. You know, it's like a street cred question. I think it's just, you know, it, it's he's saying it in a jokingly way, but at the same time, it, it kind of makes a little bit of I sense. Think he's though pretty serious. I well, think he's serious. No, no, no. He's you know, it's yeah. Of, of course, he's being serious too. But at the same time, you know, in my mind, it's like fuck yeah, those are the people I. If you're going to be doing test audiences at least have the right people in there. That's all he's saying. That's I, I agree with that, yeah. but d- both of those are extremes having For the sure. people who don't matter. Like the, the, the cause I I've seen, um, that this film is not yet rated and other things. Um, and, and other like, I, Ooh, who was, I, I heard a podcast where somebody was like, I was part of some of these test screenings and it was like middle-aged Latino moms who what? was all filled in this thing. See that. And, that's and, uh, that, that's the goddamn Oscar Academy right there. <laughs> you know, yeah. those, those are the so, people. So um, that that's a problem. But also only, you know, dictating towards horror fans, I think is a huge problem, too, because let's face it, like I loved, you know, a film like Hereditary. The general audience audience doesn't. Right. Like that's yeah. just not, you know, <laughs> but luckily that film did good, I think. But I just look at it like this way, man, in, in real simple terms. I mean. If the three of us were in a test audience mm-hmm. versus somebody like Roger Ebert, and let's take it back to 1983, slasher films, we're, we're watching a slasher film. And, mm-hmm. you know, our opinion and our thoughts, if it's going to be taken to heart, that film's going to turn out different if Roger Ebert gets his way. Right? I'm yeah. just saying, this is exactly what I'm talking about. You know, well, if yeah, you have the wrong... But that's, again... You know, that's that's an extreme. That's somebody who shouldn't it's be just, there. It's just it's audience. just an example to paint a picture, though. So I went extreme, right? But yeah. in layman's terms, like it's it's quite obvious that that would happen, right? So if you have a whole audience full of Roger Eberts versus a whole audience of twenty-two shot motherfuckers, shit's gonna. Well, be yeah, obviously now. the yeah that would be massively different. But I'm not saying. But again, it w- we would probably hurt the film too, though, if it was. Um, a, 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 if it was trying to make money, you know, if it's trying to hit a wall, because we like things that a lot of people don't like too, though. Mm. Like I'm talking about, you know, the mainstream. If you're know, going but is to it make selfish just to make it, is it really that selfish just to want them to make the best film regardless of money? You know, like if I well, was sitting there, I'd be like, yo, man. Well, but the best film to us is not the best film to the mainstream, though. You know what I mean? So that's different. Yeah, we like, that when it comes to but night that's not and facts, mother but that's and all those movies. Facts. Well, I mean, yeah, we have different opinions even on mother. I think it's trash. Just because but... we think it's the best film doesn't mean it is. Mm. You know what I mean? It's it like think that movie's trash. I really, what? I I completely get it. I just don't like it. I don't like the whole Bible shit, man. It's just I just didn't enjoy what? it. Re- Reddit? What are you talking? No, about? No, he thought mother was trash. Oh, I loved Mother. Yes, yeah. I I think it's one of the. I, I'm actually quite surprised Jeremy did. Well, actually, I'm not surprised because it's really fucking artsy and shit. But anyways, that's not the point. We're not talking about Mother, but um, you know, it's not a poorly yeah, made film. But I anyways, get what you guys, you're saying. Like, yeah, you want like as a fan of horror movies, you would want 
the films that we like. But I'm saying like sometimes if we've seen Happy Death Day, you m- might want some a completely different movie in a test screening. You know what I mean? But at the same time, a lot of people like that type of movie. Like a, Andrew Schreier. I liked it too. You know what I mean? So it, it's it's. But a who fun, knows, like, man? Even Andrew might have liked it even more if it was R and they had on-screen good kills and just altered well, certain yeah, things. That, have, I would have. You can yeah, do this Groundhog Day horror thing, more. right? And if <laughs> and if you have a little bit of, I mean, just throw in the fucking. But you can't just say that because, dude. L- listen, every film, every single PG thirteen film that's out there, we are gonna say, let's make it R. You know, that's uh, we're going to say. No, that. no, no. But I, I'm not I'm no, I'm not actually saying that at all, because there's some PG-13 films that work perfectly fine. I'm just saying it's like when you yeah, take they Happy work Death perfectly Day, fine. But before you but w- wouldn't you say it's the type oh, of film I'm could... talking about? Happy Death Day is a slasher film. And to me, slasher yeah. films need to be slasher films, not dumbed down versions of, you know, their pre setters. You know, it's like there's yeah. so many good fucking movies out there slasher film and I, I i just think that's one subgenre of horror that when you dumb it down it really doesn't work because the point yeah. of slashers is well, to have good I mean, fucking see, kills man that is but, literally the only reason look at the friday the 13th franchise but this this they, this slasher has a story too though like that's why it's a little bit different for me is like i like good kills as the next is the uh, as much as the next person well but i was invested minute, in the story even one. as minute as a lot of slasher films are storyboard wise you know, they still technically have a minor thing. I mean, yeah, it has a story. It's repetitive as fuck. You know, well, that's it would give fuck it, that movie gives fucking Bill Murray a goddamn headache for sure. <laughs> you know, but <laughs> anyway, uh, to get back on track track with what I'm saying is you can't oh, have God. it's all about JP too here. much of anything. <laughs> like to me, if you have horror, uh, pure horror fans saying like. I don't like the idea of like, if you don't know who David Cronenberg is, then you know that you, your card should be like ripped up because no, because See, the I people who are hardcore series. David, David Cronenberg fi- films aren't going to make your film super successful. They're just not. I think what he's the, saying the, though, I think the product is different. If you know who somebody like Argento or Fulci or Mario Bava versus just, you know, mainstream directors, I think it's just, I think that's what he was implying. You know, you I think the end product is just a little bit different. It's just a little bit different. But even in the 90s, people knew who Fulci and Argento were and Mario Bava. Yeah, but still more fans. hardcore fans, though. Yeah. Like, well, because um, it, there was no social media. It's easier to get the products out now. Everybody should technically know who these guys are because it's right at your fucking fingertips all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to me, it's like that's – like I've seen how hardcore fans think horror should be done and it doesn't necessarily – equate to the masses it essentially and, comes down to yeah i mean a lot of horror fans are probably a little bit more elitist wise when it comes to that it, shit they want it to do it this way and you know this is the right <laughs> way kind of thing I, I mean i'm still very subjective and and still willing to and you know be open to the ideas of you know still taking a film for what it is and making the right adjustments money wise i mean th- th- i'm never motivated by that though that's just me personally you know, we've had this conversation a million well, fucking times. Well, but that's times. the whole point of a test screening, though, right? Is, For sure. Well, we need well, it's to not make just this film good or it's, its release. Of course, it's, it's at the end of the day, it's all about the money. But at at the same time, it's still about making a good product, not just altering it for the sake of, well, you know what? Even though that scene really fucking sucks, it's probably going to be loved by, you know, Billy Bob and fucking Martha over here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but I'm, I'm you're supposed to be putting yourself in the mindset of like, OK, I'm 
need to make this film as successful as possible. That's the whole point of a test screening. So like you got it when, when you're talking about it, you have to be in the mindset, even though you personally don't care about that. You have to be in the mindset of, well, how do I make this as successful as possible? Yeah, but I also said I'm still open to the fact of doing the right thing, right? I'm just talking yeah. to me personally, but I get it though. I completely get it. I mean, at the end but of the here's day, the, no, here's no, what nobody makes say. movies not to make money, but at the same time, there is a lot, you, you have to, you have to walk this fine line of, you know, wanting to put the best product out and still make the money, right? You know, you don't want to make, yeah. you don't want to put out something shoddy just because it's well, going to yeah, make yeah, fucking money. Yeah, 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 obviously right? you want to make. You still want to hold move. the integrity of the genre too. When you're making genre films, I feel like filmmakers still want to incorporate the integrity of what the genre means to people and the fans, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, we don't, there's no comedy conventions for, you know, the same reasons that there's fucking, well, there is no comedy conventions, right? But there's horror conventions and it caters to a certain crowd because of its like culture, you know? And I think that's a big thing. That's a big thing for me. So like, you know, I think the biggest thing that you could do, and I think this would be like, cause my whole point of this argument is don't be extreme either way. Don't get these random Latino moms to watch your movie and b- take their opinion seriously. Don't get hardcore horror fanatics who only see their point of view to uh, judge your film. I'm saying you need to meet somewhere in the middle. And one thing you could do by that is ask somebody on a you know questionnaire, do you like horror films? That's simple, right? Because the people who are going to go see, you know, uh, Thinner are not people who don't like horror films. People who like horror. F- so if you're getting advice from people who don't like horror films in a for a horror movie, that's bad. So I'm all for, you know, but isn't this just common bad- sense, though? Isn't this just common sense? Like if you're going to hold a screening for your film. Wouldn't you want right away to have a, a screening for the people that are actually going to be watching your well, fucking test exactly. screening? Exactly, and that's my point. That's my point. It. it just totally makes sense, right? Like, I think this is common sense. Like, You don't I, have to say, are you a horror fan? No. Just, you do, do you like horror films? And if the answer is no, then don't include their question, their their feedback in your uh, adjustments it's, it's to the It's the same film. thing with doing a jury. You know, hundreds of people get fucking Do summoned you like to jury, black people? right? And then they weed out the people that aren't going to win them the case. And that's kind of exactly what this test screening business is all about. It's the exact same shit. You want to weed out those people that are going to be like, you know, not fuck your shit up, man. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I'm still not a fan of it. Test screenings are, are yeah, part but of the process. They, they, they are... It isn't, it isn't, Jeremy. I think they do more harm. Yeah, it is part of the process. Not everybody agrees to do them, though. There is is directors out there that do not do them for this exact reason. Well, most directors don't have a choice. Yeah, they have to do it. Yeah. Yeah, because they don't own the film. It's, you know, it's more about the producers. See, everybody should be like Tarantino, man. Just fucking don't, you know. Well, Tarantino is like that because he has the power to be. That's what I'm saying. Because he's fucking Tarantino. Yeah. But if, if, if... If, you know, Mike Flanagan tries that shit, they'll be like, fuck you, Mike. We'll go get somebody else. <laughs> Nobody's going to say that to Tarantino. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. I, I mean, I think I have heard stories in which test screenings have changed for the positive. 
Like you hear it every once in a while where people are like, we did test screening and the, the you know, audiences didn't like this. So we went back and, but more and often did this. than not, you always hear about the test more screenings that changed hear, studio yeah. interference got involved and they, they held like three test screenings and they altered all this shit. And then it's like, and at the end of the day, you watch the final product and you go, I wonder what the other versions were like. What sucks to me is we never get that other version. Like, just fucking put that out, too. <laughs> I want to see that version. I mean, now we are, usually. Yeah, we get Sometimes. some of them. We get some of them. But, you know, there's... I mean, we did with... Uh, what was the... Fa- Lord of Illusions, you know? I and, think, and now Halloween. And, and, you know, the funny thing is, Lord of Illusions, either way, still doesn't work for me. Yeah. Theatrical yeah. or director cut, so... Eh, whatever. Scott Bakula's cool, but... Yeah. All right, I got one more here from Stephen Portman. And he writes, imagine my surprise when I opened the door to our bathroom and saw with delight my three-year-old Jonah sitting gingerly upon the toilet taking a shit reading a copy of your valuable publication. I flashed back and saw myself at his age, perhaps a wee bit older in the same positions and reading Forey's famous Monsters of Filmland. Who said the times that are changing? Well, maybe the magazine are, but our family's interest in the horror genre remains true and consistent. That was me as a child, but I was doing an upper decker. <laughs> oh, I love the turbo. All right. And these are the DVDs that were coming out in January 1997. We got Children of the Corn 4. Nice. The Surgeon. It's a good one. I like Children of the Corn 4. The Surgeon. The Surgeon. What the fuck is that? It has like a bi- like a, a water drip bag with a person's a skull face on it. Huh. Wow. I um, must have missed it that says one. the hospital horror was originally licensed under the title Esquit Tenderness. What? Which wow. according to the script is the point where pain reaches its most extreme. Blah nice. blah blah. I don't think I know this one. Crazy. Cool. Rump of skilled skin. Ooh, well, we'll have to check it out when we do 1997 top. Oh, ah. God. <laughs> Rumpel skin. Oh, wow. That movie sucks. Dark Man 3. Nice. And Protus. Yeah, okay. I'm, I'm going to go on a limb and assume Jeremy didn't pronounce that properly. So. Protus. P-R-O-T-E-U-S. I think I know that. From, I think I from, do. From Fidmark. Yeah. Huh. That, yeah, 97 was a pretty banging year. Oh, yeah. That's <laughs> why I totally want to do that on the uh, top 10. I know, man. we got to get 72 out of the way. I want to go back to the 90s. Ah, That's 72 it. is going to be fun, man. It's going to be it fun. Is. Good films. That yeah. should do it. That's it for Dead Mail. All right. Yeah, buddy. Geo. And now, our feature presentation. Oh yeah, getting into the featured reviews here on week one of Italian Horror Month. Oh man, super excited to get this going here. And of course, like we do every single year per JP, Thanks to me. Per JP <laughs> we are going to be hitting you guys off with Dario Argento 4. Four. Four. Very original Dario JP. Argento. And, and listen, the Dario Argento episodes do the best. They do. Facts. 
all three years have outperformed every other uh you know thing it was up against whoop de doo it's not your fucking fault it's because his name's stereo argento i, I know the but Fauci's i'm saying why good. not the Fauci's do good of course it's the second most popular or debatably first most popular name in italian horror um first but, most popular the most popular yeah okay <laughs> whatever <laughs> <clears throat> but it's it's not only that, like, I'm enjoying, like, you look back, and by the time we're done with this, we have, you could cut all those reviews together and have a complete career retrospective of Dario Argento, which I'll is until we get to the last year. Oh, yeah, the end is going to be real nasty. <laughs> yeah, everybody says that, but I, I've never seen those films. Actually, so, yeah. actually next year, if, if we're continuing along in, uh, in order... Oh man, seriously! Oh fuck, man! One of them is going to be Phantom of the Opera. Yeah, which I hear is arguably his worst film. Holy shit balls! It's really bad. Yeah, like really, really bad. And Sleepless, and then The Card Player. So if we go in that order, um, yeah, I mean, oddly enough, did you know that The Card Player originally was written as a sequel to Stendhal, which we're covering tonight? Huh really wow That's yeah interesting that is interesting huh so yeah. they must have changed the script then yeah so um but yeah, yeah. you know it, it's interesting because we're clearly it's been great right it's been great bird with the the three animals trilogy great films the uh mother's trilogy great films um and then you know last year opera pheno- or uh, phenomena tenebrae and, and uh what was it deep red great films so like this year, you know, we'll we'll talk about it, but it's getting to that point where it's where people say like this is where our gender. This is his off. last good movie, the first one that we're going to talk about. Yeah, I was, I was heard like I've opera, opera is like his last things. good movie. This is yeah, in my opinion, I, man, this is I where our gender goes sideways. Yeah. I hear that opera is Argento's last great movie, but I hear people say Stendhal is his last like solid movie well but i don't know it just depends who you ask right yeah we'll, i wouldn't say that we'll debate on that in a minute this next movie is pretty man anyways first up here from dario argento 1987's opera synopsis a young opera singer betty gets her big chance when the previous star of the production of macbeth is run over by a car convinced the opera is bad luck she accepts and becomes the target of a psychopath a man she has been dreaming about since childhood. I want to know why you suck this movie's dick so much, JP. It's fantastic. Well, it's good. It's good. I enjoyed it, but it's far from as good as his earlier films. Like, it I think even it's come just close. as good. As you know what, man? Films. You know what? I don't think. I don't. I swear to God, every time I watch opera, I love it more. Yeah. You know what, yeah. man? I think it's great. First off, man. I mean, in the first fifteen minutes of, you know, it's actually kind of an interesting movie because. I've heard and read a lot of reviews. I've mostly heard from people that they have a hard time getting through the first 50 minutes because there's a lot of opera music in it. And yeah, they, but they, it's shot the whole so movie's like beautifully. That. Well, actually, the whole, there's not really a lot of opera music. There's some towards the end, but the whole middle part, there's not really a lot of like stage performance, opera, singing and stuff. But I've heard people say, oh, it's just so tedious in the first 50 minutes. And I'm like, man, are you not seeing what I'm seeing? Because yeah. in my opinion... 
you know, when we're getting those those state that stage presence, the cinematography in the opera house, that fucking panning around the Dude, opera house shot is might even be the best shot that Dario Gento's ever done. I was thinking the same thing. It there's is not, literally there's multiple shots in this film. Oh, there is. That, there is that yeah. showcase how this might be Argento's best shot film. I mean, Tenebrae's there too, but there are there's mad evidence in this film to showcase that this might be Argento's best shot film. There is a film. lot of really amazing, you know, just technical aspects of the way Creative they shot it. Creative stuff too. Well, you know, they had Creative to, they, stuff. They literally had to, hang, like, they shot the shit from the roof and had it on a rotator and just the way it's shot, but there's a lot of really great panning shots through the stairs and just long panning, like, beautiful there's cinematography. Also, like, shots that are like i forget what it's called what's it called where you tilt the camera and it's not a straight across anymore there's like tons of that stuff going on you tilt the camera but it's not straight across like yeah like the image is skewed like it's 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 like you know more diagonal than than you know straight straight looking forward there's a name for it i forget what the shot's called uh, yeah there might i don't know, know I, I know what you're talking i know what you're talking about i know what you're talking yeah the about, image but... is just skewed it's sideways it's exactly like, yeah it's like tilted now well yeah like but that the... cinematography when you know the scene where the ravens get loose in the opera house and yeah. he's kind That's of falling around shot. that shit is insane man yeah it's good it, it's so there's so many long shots of just it's crazy like he i'm not saying it's not a well-made movie that's not what i said i just don't think for maybe it's because it's the first time I've watched it or something. I just, oh, okay. I just call it a Dutch angle, by the way. Okay, yeah, I've I just heard, I've heard didn't get as much out of it as you, you guys did. You know what, Jeremy? Um, like you know, I've always preached this with Italian films, and JP can probably co-sign Let's me on this. Probably is a lot of times when you watch Italian films, you get more out of them after second, third watch. You really, it's do. Uh, it's it's one hundred percent true. In opera, especially. With Argento. Opera is one of those films that, for even myself, if I've appreciated more with watches because I never realized watching this movie early in the early 2000s, I think was the first time I seen it, I didn't realize the layers to our main character. And, mm-hmm. you know, it seems like when you watch this movie and you take it for face value, it seems pretty basic. It's about a girl that's, you know, she's being forced to watch her friends die in front of her. And, you know, and the, mm. the killer literally lets her go and he fucks with her this whole movie. I love that. It's so unique, it's, right? It's different. Mm-hmm. It's like you've seen what Argento has done up until this point. Yeah. A lot of his films are goddamn the same. You know what I mean? This is a different spin on that giallo type trope of the black glove killer. Yeah. Let's make the black glove, glove killer a little bit different this time. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is his, what is he doing? He's it's so creative. He's taking needles, putting them on tape, c- capturing the girl Tying her up, put, forcing her to watch. I mean, it's just like clockwork orange. It's a double layer mystery because it's a mystery of why the killer is doing this. And it's a mystery of why he's letting her go. You know, it's like you're just wondering what the fuck is going on. But as we follow Betty, like when you're her character is you don't really know why she's acting the way she's acting through the film, too. It's It's kind of bizarre, right? Because. You know, when you would have, a, you know, your boyfriend or someone that you're semi-close to die, when you call the cops, wouldn't you give them your name and, you know, want them to get down the read away and shit like that? Mm-hmm. Because she's confused on the whole thing. She, you know, her character, she almost feels semi-responsible 
for yeah. what's happening, right? That's why we get these kind of mm. odd layers with why, Benny. Though? That's the thing, right? And you don't know this until there is a there is yeah. a moment in the film where they actually disclose her backstory and mm. why these things might be happening. And then it kind of all makes sense, but it's kind of interesting because and then you still don't know who and why the killer's doing this shit. I mean, mm-hmm. it gets a little bit why and stuff, but there's a lot of layers to Betty. And I like that because it's a complex there's a lot of complex stuff that's going on in, in the middle of the film in a very simple face valued film. I love that. It's really Listen, good, man. It's just- I would think on the surface that this would just come off silly, right? Like, oh, the killer captures her and tapes needles under her eyes. I'm like, how would he do all like but you just accept it? And there's the way the one of the reasons you accept it is how brutal it actually is and how how cringy it is whenever you see the shots behind the needles and you see the eyes blinking and like tapping the needles. And of course, they're not real, but you see them tapping them. Even the actress, the real life actress, her eyelids are tapping them sometimes. And it's like that just is it makes you so uncomfortable. I love how the camera is shot behind the needle sometimes and it shows like from yeah. her actual eyeballs perspective yeah. that's some creative stuff there yeah the pov and shot yeah. yeah it was just such an interesting idea and I, I believe i read that argento came up with that idea when he was like watching a movie with his critic like in the theater and people were like criticizing it or something or or something like that which there's a lot of that in this film but mm-hmm. he's like i wish i could just tape needles to their eyes or something so they couldn't close their eyes or fall asleep or something yeah, you know what i mean orange I have never seen that yeah. all the way through. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. It's um, very. I, I like Kubrick. how they even incorporated the fact that Macbeth is like, you know, doing Macbeth plays bad luck and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was, that was genius because it's actually. What about true. that stupid bitch who fucking, that second bitch that dies, the clothes lady. She was a dumbass. <laughs> what what about, do you mean? What about her? She just like, she kept on fighting back and then she didn't run away. She, like that's It, it was a little die. weird how that played out. Yeah. Because it's like, she was all like, really cared about that yeah. bracelet for some reason you know yeah. what i mean it's like normal people would probably just be like yeah what the, that's like, actually that's actually one of the minor complaints in the film i have because there's a, a weird scene, scene where she kind of well we see her that she finds out who the killer is right and then she yeah goes to and say, she's like oh, and then she goes to say something it's, but it's kind of shot you know too, I mean? <laughs> it's kind of shot too staggery a little bit and like yeah. there's enough time for her to blurt out who it is you know? yeah, but, yeah 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 but she doesn't and then she of course it, it's it, you're fate. trying to create a moment of suspense which i like that yeah. argento gets that you know the italian hitchcock it it's supposed to be suspenseful and it kind of would work maybe if it was in an if there could be something lost in translation there too you know what i mean being in english maybe it's like i watched it in italian. I don't, yeah I the watched movie, it in it's shot in english i know yeah um Oddly enough, the main character in this film, Betty, I think she was, I think she's Spanish. Yeah, they do some sure. weird stuff. I think she was man. a Spanish, like in real life, she's Spanish. And from what I've heard, actually, Argento had the worst time ever with her as a really? lead. She was just awful to work with. She like, was Klaus I, That's Kinski. so funny. I just read that right yeah. when you said. Yeah, like I remember. <laughs> he said she's the most difficult actress he's ever worked with. Yeah, and then he he tried to like he's like you're never gonna work in this industry again, man. It's <laughs> like, like she was that bad that he tried to fucking you know blacklist her kind of thing. But. Yeah, it's like Klaus Kinski when whenever his name tried to kill him, the guy who did Tour Strap. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he literally tried to kill him. Yeah, it's crazy shit, man. Crazy. Yeah, yeah there's a there's a line in this film. I, I don't remember where it is, but 
the police ask the director of the play about how he used to direct violent horror movies or something like that and then like how ask, and ask then the he, director of the film no, of the, the play the play the, her friend who yeah yeah the blonde haired guy yeah yeah they, yeah they the police ask him something about like his relation to violence and and movies or something like that yeah, yeah. and he says some snarky ass comment like that basically is what we always say you know like the art is art and violence is has nothing to do with film and i thought that was you know, obviously Argento commenting on how people have criticized his films for being oh. overly violent and stuff. I thought that was really hundred cool. percent. That guy was. This one isn't he even was, like overly violent. Argento. Like this one's Dude, not this even one's overly pretty violent. It has yeah, it has yeah, one of my like, absolute favorite kills. Too. Me too. In uh, out of any Argento film, and he's done. Uh, Is it we the all know bullet the gun? Yep. That's my favorite. Oh no, I actually find that kind of stupid. I, to be, to be Ooh, honest, what? No, 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 not the, like not, no, 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 not the kill itself. I just the setup because she went back and looked through the peephole again, and I'm like, it's probably not going to really happen like that. I mean, if you notice someone has a gun, well, are you going to keep mean, looking through a peephole? No, and everybody prob- would say no. Probably not, not. But I mean, I don't cool think kill. that it was overly. No, it's it's a cool kill, but if you look at the the logic behind it, I mean, if you realize that someone on the other ha- side of the door has a gun, and you literally have seen them through the people, you're not going to put your eye back through there. There's no fucking way. But anyways, yeah. Well, I think she just is still looking, and she's like just hasn't pulled away yet. Well, know? she does. She totally notes that he's got that. You know, it pans yeah. straight in. But anyways, my she's fa- like she's like, no, let the me knife, see your face. The <laughs> yeah. knife through the bottom. Well, at of the this mouth. point, Dude. she thinks that it's possible that he's a he. He's tricking her into thinking he's a police officer. He's like, look, I have a gun. You know, I have my badge. And she's like, no, wait, let me see your face. And that's when she gets shot. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, the I guess the boyfriend. The yeah, the boyfriend. Yeah. The knife through the bottom of the chin. And yeah. I love the shot right. of it. It's the way it happens, though. Is it's really actually kind of shocking. Like it just kind of comes out of nowhere. But I love that angle of attack. Yeah. But it's it, the way it's shot, though, because it pans right in, and it's got this really kind of close up shot of yep. the blade in his mouth. Fuck, yeah, man, great. that's fucking awesome. And then cue the metal music right at that exact moment again. And How do you guys feel about the metal music? I love it. And that was Argento in this time period, right? Because he did it with Demons. Of course, he produced that for Lamberto. I don't know. It kind of feels a little. It doesn't really fit the tone of the movie. I feel I like one thing that I like about it. Oh, I think is, it, I think it adds it, to it, it so much. I I normally I listen. I don't like that kind of music in my regular listening, but I do think that it actually works in this film because of the way that it's it comes on whenever this person is tied up, and it's like it just it, it's powerful. It just has this you know chaotic nature to it, which is what. I think the character is feeling this sort of helplessness and this just intensity. I think it's the perfect contrast to what we're getting with the opera sound, you know? Yeah. Like you don't want, I think it, it's perfect because these kills are intense. They're thrilling and shit. You need something to kind of amp it up. And there's also great music that isn't the metal stuff that's goes on throughout the film too. Yes. Yes. The actual score is amazing. Mm-hmm. So, but yeah, th- I just I th- think this movie has, it's just a very entertaining and I'm into it and minus like the, the, the one or two flaws when it comes to actual acting or like character, what the characters are doing. Like, like you said, the girl looking through, through the people or the girl who is um, trying to fight back the killer over the fucking bracelet. I agree with Jeremy. It's a little weird how that yeah. is kind of stupid, but besides those little flaws, like I just think it's a good story. It's I, 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 it is, the killer is scary. The killer is scary that 
he's just popping up and then he's not killing the girl. He's and that scene, with- the scene with the with the fire, I don't know. That was a little iffy for me too. Which like, scene? oh, is that the that's Steph Helm? No. Which scene? No, he's the he's scene probably, with the fire. At the end, like how the killer, like what part like, of it? Like, I don't know. It's like he has that he has that fake body and he escapes somehow without nobody without her fucking noticing. He's going out the damn window. Can't remember what you're talking about. It's this film, right? Moods. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 What well, is that, it? That's well, it's because- when they're when she's in the room with the killer and he lights it on fire and she thinks he burns to death, but he actually got away. Yeah, he basically throws a huge life size dummy. Man dummy <laughs> and Brit- and then it's dubbed in the news that you know the killer burns to lie but it's like how does nobody know that's a fucking dummy and not a person was it a person or was it a straight dummy it was, it was a, a dummy. dummy they they even say that oh yeah. <laughs> well yeah i can't remember that really but yeah i guess that's a little bit of a problem <laughs> um but i think that the this movie just blends like beautiful um cinematography and violence together so well um and i think that the setting is just they utilize the setting so goddamn well in this movie the opera house the beautiful um shots that you get and just the just the vibe that it creates where it feels like um this grand place and like even the even like when the chick goes back to her boyfriends or whatever the the like his room is fucking pretty cool, man. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's like this. It's his uncle's. He lets me live here. Yeah. And you know the he other th- the other thing with this movie with Argento. This is the very last film that really has that Argento aesthetic to it. You know, it's got all the the bright reds and the the really warm hues. And it doesn't blues really and have there's, that many. There's bright some good. Reds and... um, what's yeah, that? it does. It the whole movie's like that, man. There's hmm. some... Yeah, there's 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 some there's some lighting that goes on in this film. There is, uh, man. If, you, if you're paying attention, like, I mean, I'm, you know, this is actually the second time this year I've watched this movie, but me too. The colors, <laughs> it's so, it's just fucking so beautiful, man. The whole movie, he just, he always knows when to put those scenes and the colors in the background. It, it's, you just kind of have to watch around, you know, and you get that full feel of an Argento film, man. It just, oh, absolutely love this movie, man. It's just so good on so many different <laughs> levels, man. But one of my favorite things about this film is actually like just all kind of, like the way the killer is actually revealed, you know, because they, they tell you earlier in the film that there's a scene where these Ravens are basically killed, like slaughtered off. Yep. Mm-hmm. And someone mentions, you know, after the slaughter of the Ravens that, you know, the Ravens, they, they never forget, yeah. you yeah. know, they never, they have a really good memory for this type of thing. And, you know, they'll exact, they don't go as far to say exact revenge, but that's what they're implying. Mm-hmm. And then this is how the killer is actually revealed in the film is by the Ravens attack. And I love that, how they set that up, you know, it's yeah. simple, but it works. It wasn't a human that, I mean, the Ravens pinpointed who the killer, I think that's fucking fantastic. It's always been a thing I've adored about this movie. It's great. Yeah. So it is cool. That's pretty cool. And actually, actually there's, I forgot. There's another little thing that always kind of bugged me about this movie. Mm-hmm. Scene. I think it's maybe their second performance or maybe it's in the first, I can't remember, but, um, when she's on stage and there's a commotion up on one of the balconies there and you know one of the lights falls and hits the ground 
right? That's when the first guy dies, right? Yeah, yeah. right at the beginning. Yeah, 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 right at the beginning. Yeah, that's right when he gets hung up on the uh, the coat or the hanger thing. Yeah, that was a good kill too. Yeah, that's a good kill. But the thing I never understood about that scene is that she claims that she heard the commo- or the screams, but no one else did. I'm like, she's on stage, not only singing, but she's pretty far away. And if you're singing, does she say that? I don't remember her saying. She that. actually yeah, does. I don't she, remember either. She does. She says that she actually heard the screams. Like she's like something happened up there, kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I was like, how? Okay, that doesn't make any fucking sense because if you're on stage and singing you're most likely going to drown out, drown that out. And how did no one else hear the screams and commotion? Right. So that, that always kind of bugged me a little bit, but yeah, just a little nitpick, but I was just thought it, maybe you guys had an explanation for that. No, I don't remember nope. that part for some I don't reason. Remember it, yeah. yeah. She says that. Yeah. I heard that. And everyone's kind of like, Oh yeah, well the light fell. <laughs> like, yeah, quite clearly. But, uh, so uh, in this film, do you know that? Yep. She's the girl who gets her eyes shot out. Did you say she? Yeah. Wait, who, who did you say? Sauve. Oh, I thought you said... Mikel, Mikel Suave. Suave. Yeah, I think he plays one of the uh, inspectors. Yeah. I think from... Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, I guess ratings? Is that, yeah. all we, is that all we got? Is that all we got? I guess so. I guess um, given the whole I'll go first. Away. Okay. Uh, yeah, we're remaining spoiler free, obviously, for these. Uh, so, this film is like Moods mentioned that sometimes with Argento, you need to watch the film a couple times to really appreciate it, which I do agree with. Like, I watched Tenebrae, liked it even more than I did the first time. Inferno is probably one I need to go back to in Deep Red, considering those are probably the two that I like the least out of everything we covered. Um, which is funny because most people consider those two of the best. Um, but this movie, I actually liked from the very beginning. Like when I, I got this as a screener from Doppelganger last, I think, winter, um, like January or February or something like that when it was released. And I remember watching it after work one day and just being like in love with it, man. It's just something about it just clicked with me. I think just the, the beautiful cinematography at the beginning. The interesting, um, like you, one. I think that needs more credit. Like the way that the killer is acting is so different from a lot of giallos. You know what I mean? A, yeah. a lot. It's just. It's so. It's like finally somebody has done something besides just an, a regular black glove killer. You know what I mean? It's. It's kind of cool. I, I think it deserves credit for being different like that. You know, and and almost like torturing his victim in in this jigsaw-esque type of way almost Mm -hmm. and um there's some great shots in this film like you could literally pick out dozens and dozens of amazing shots in this movie uh which just lends so much to the the beautiful uh nature of of the film and the opera house and everything and and there's unique and creative angles that i'm like how the hell did they get an angle there you know what I mean? It's just cool stuff. So uh, I think that that's one of the things that I love most about this movie. And I just, I'm just into it. I'm just into this movie a lot. I, I, I'm giving it a nine out of ten, which I think is is like I hover between a nine and a nine point five when I first seen it. But after seeing, noticing a few more, a little bit of flaws, I, I think I took that half point off. Yeah, this is. Uh, it's just so beautiful, man. 
you know, I had this thing rated at what I had it rated on uh, Letterbox, but I'm coming up on that. Oh, and it's because you know I really got thinking about this movie and our character, and I I, I really like the the very sadistic, sadist motives of the killings and you know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I think that whole that whole story is actually quite interesting. I think our main character is a lot more complex than than she appears to be. You know, for somebody like Jeremy, maybe you know, first time watch, she probably didn't think about it too much. Yeah, I mean, um, but I think it's quite interesting the way she's <laughs> acting to what's going on. And then there is a moment in the film where the closest person to her, which is played by um, uh, Argento's ex, um, Dario Nicoletti. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, of course, when she, her fit, well, I'm, I'm going to call it a famous kill because it's pretty cool. You know, I just yeah, think that, you know, but when she dies, that's kind of the point where Betty realizes that, you know, she's probably not solely, you know, responsible for this shit. And she kind of go adventures out. And this is where she wants to, you know, fight back and, you know, and do something about this shit. I, I really like that because, you know, that was the character that was her basically her mom character, right? You know, mm-hmm. the closest character to her. And that's, I like that turning point in the film. It's really interesting. And, uh, but yeah, just one of the most beautiful films. And I'm going to, I'm going to say it, man, this, I, the cinematography in this film is second to none. You know, Sinspiria has amazing cinematography. This movie right here is right up there with the best work he's ever done, which I find kind of compelling considering it's, you know, where it is in his career. You know, he didn't really, yeah. he didn't hold back anything when he was doing this film. And which we'll get to the other films, you know, after this one. But uh, this is kind of like, wow, like it's almost like he just went for fucking gold on this one. And in my opinion, he hit it, man. There's a lot of great musical cues in this. The score is fantastic. Great kills, like really memorable, great kills all around. Awesome film. I'm coming in at a nine out of ten because there is a couple parts, like I mentioned before, that I think that are a little bit questionable. I never understood the part where she's singing. And there's a couple other small minor things, too. But uh fantastic film very almost underrated opinion in my opinion because it is one that you don't you know what's funny i shared a podcast with you guys i doubt you got to it and listened to it but um it was basically a group of people talking about argento's filmography as well as a writer who was writing an argento book talking about his filmography and funny enough almost every single person there's like six people on there Favorite film, opera, which yeah. is, is funny because I never heard it. I never hear anybody consider you know talk about this as their favorite Argento film. You always hear Tenebrae or uh, Deep Red or Suspiria. So it was kind of interesting to see so many people love opera at the same time where I was uh, finding my love for opera. It's actually a little bit bizarre to have like six people on a show and they're all f- their their favorite film is all opera. Yeah, I think one person's wasn't, but <laughs> I feel like there might have been yeah. a little bit of. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> influencing going on there. Well, it was yeah. a spree, but you like opera too. I'm going to go with opera. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, actually the end of the movie, I always thought, you know, the scene where the director's like, he's like, run, run, run. Yeah. When that, when that musical cue comes in, it should have been Iron Maiden's run to the Hills. That would have been <laughs> the perfect music cue of all time. It unfortunately wasn't. It was actually a song that we've heard earlier in the film, but still it's fun and uh great film. Highly, highly recommend it, man. It, it, to me, I, whenever I see top five or top ten, opera is always in, you know, in the, the lower part. No, the higher part, you know, the six to ten range kind of thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think it's I think it's a better people or better film than people give it credit for. 
it, it's top three for me personally. Yeah, it's um, just it's it's definitely a film that I've just grown to appreciate more and more every time I watch it. I really love it. Like, it's great. Like this this one, you know, opera to me is like right up there with Suspiria and Tenebrae is my is my favorites. Um, I just think that you know all three of those films are, are great, but opera just doesn't get the love, man. They, it just doesn't. It's funny. Because I think that it fits so well in his early filmography in terms of greatness. Like, it doesn't feel like a gap. You know how, like, like you know, it, it, you you would think that considering it's one that's not as loved, this would be the transition film where it went from this one to his bad films. He's still just as good here as he was ever. And then he gets into his, you know, other ones. So it's like weird how there's not this gradual drop. It's just a straight cliff dive. You know what I mean? You know, you could you could actually count. You know, it, it, it's not real. It's a short film. Two but, evil eyes. Yeah, but two evil eyes because he did the black cat segment, which is yeah. obviously the Poe story, which is kind of a, interesting because Fulci did a virgin a version of that film. Too. A virgin. A virgin. He did a Jeremy of the black cats. <laughs> um, Man, that's two sexuality jokes. Yeah, that I don't thanks. That, I appreciate it. That's funny. But Fucking yeah, I, the black cat is, you know, it's okay. You know, it's two evil eyes as a whole is like, it's all right, you know, but that's kind of where I think it was kind of dipping down a little bit. Well, that, that film had some trouble because originally it was going to be five shorts with five directors. That's right. Yeah. And they tried to get it off the ground so many times, and yeah. it just didn't work. So George and and uh, Argento just decided to roll with it. And, well, and they originally extend, they extended uh, their yeah they extended their shorts right. Yeah, I originally they weren't even going to. Uh, I think Romero had a different short that he was going to do. Oh, so yeah, yeah. Hmm. it was. I think he was doing the pit in the pendulum or something first. Mm. But that just then another. Uh, the uh, Corman title came out around the same time, so they changed it. It's actually one of my least favorite uh, adaptation, like stories by Poe. So, mm. Jeremy, uh, what, what was your rating, Moods? I didn't even hear it. Did I not give it uh, nine out of ten? Okay, yeah, seven, a seven, weak. Yeah, you know, to I be honest, to watch it again. To be honest, I think when I that's probably where I would have been when I first watched it too. Yeah. Yeah. That's far from my favorite. I, well, okay, I just so. must oh. be more intelligent than you two then. Because I mean, I at this point, it's probably my least favorite. I mean, I, I mean, also I'm, watched I'm not a huge fan least of least favorite. Really? I mean, I'm not like the, as of now, I'm like not the biggest fan of phenomena, phenomena. I, I think I like it more than that movie, but well, you're not a huge fan in general. Most of your ratings are kind of lower. Yeah. I like his early I, stuff. I, well, like what? Like Four Flies and Cat and Nine Tails? No, like Plumage, Deep Red. Tenebrae? Well, Tenebrae is pretty high. Yeah. We just well, on Suspiria. Yeah, Tenebrae is... Uh, Suspiria is good. I don't think it's his best movie like a lot of people do. But it's good. I like I it. Think I think your rating of Plumage is like... Your, your feelings towards it is like really weird. Like you think you like to you, it's like the greatest in his filmography. I just don't see it. Yeah, but you don't see it for Deep Red, and that's Moots' favorite. So, yeah, but that one, I feel like I need to rewatch again. I've seen Plumage multiple times. Yeah, Deep Red is definitely gonna benefit from that. Well, at least we can now talk about a absolutely horrible fucking movie. So, <laughs> all right, really? so really, absolutely horrible. Oh yeah. 
Christopher Rydell, Asia Argento, Frederick Forrest, James Russo, and Piper Laurie. In Dario Argento's maddening thriller, Trauma. All right, so moving along here, man. Into the 90s. We got some Argento in the 90s. Argento in the 90s. 1993, the birth of Jeremy. Jeremy was born in 93. Uh, With a film simply called Trauma. According to him, two things that sucks were birthed out of 93. (laughs) (laughs) Can't deny that. All right. All right. So, synopsis. A young man tries... to help a teenage European girl who escaped from a clinic hospital after witnessing the murder of her parents by a serial killer, and they try to find the killer before the killer finds them. Wow, there was a lot of killers in there. Killer, 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 killer. This movie fucking sucks. It's literally one hour of her escaping, him going to find her, her leaving again, him going to find her, her leaving, him going to find her. Up, oh, she's at a hospital now, and that's when the film actually starts to become somewhat like a movie. But up, oh, she leaves the hospital, and he has to go find her again. It's fucking stupid, and it drags on for way too fucking long. You know, I had, uh, I had like the, I had this weird sucks. thought while I was watching this movie. You know, right from the first kill, and I was like, man, the killers weapon of choice is is on the same level as the driller killer's drill <laughs> you know i don't know why what do you mean it's just because it's like so mechanical and i don't know it's weird because it needed does it have power I yeah thought it was pretty interesting well, it's like, got power. A side story with this little fucking stepfather three looking motherfucking kid and it's just i mean trash. yeah but that, have, that comes that circles around you have a power tool basically to kill people it's i don't know it was just something i thought was funny well, this is – correct me if I'm, if I'm wrong, but th- isn't this like a homemade thing? This isn't a real to- – what would you use that for? Oh, well, it's, def- like, it's, like it's, it's like a silver thing that you put around your neck and you push a button and it It's definitely homemade. It's, de- it's definitely yeah. made to, to cut heads off. It's like See, the thing that you but catch it's still wild powered. dogs that you it's put powered. over their heads. But it's like a power version. Yeah, it's but it's still powered, and you know you just don't see. Yeah, it. yeah, no, it's a power tool. Yeah, I get that. But portable power tool. Um, <laughs> I personally actually like this movie. No, I, I thought it was pretty cool. I like that you the know, killer is a decapitator. That's kind of fucking cool to me. <laughs> um, you know, he's cutting head or well, they're cutting heads off, <laughs> and uh, I dig that. I, I I don't think I've seen a slasher that's exclu- or you know a killer slasher killer that uh, sound like the synopsis uh, completely just de- that's their gimmick is they cut people's heads off. So this one has actually quite a few recognizable faces in it. We got Brad Dourif in here plays dude a doctor. Brad Dourif when he says like I don't fucking know or something. Oh Chucky one hundred percent. it's Chucky. Brad Dourif has such a powerful voice, man. He's just so badass. Like it, I, I didn't always, even realize it was him until he said that, and I was I, like, "Oh, Brad Dourif's right in front of my face." I've always thought every like every time I look at Brad Dourif, I always think that his voice doesn't shouldn't be coming out of his body. Mm-hmm. I know it's weird. Like when you watch One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, you wouldn't assume who he goes on to be. I know it's so weird. Like it's got a great voice, but uh, of course we've yeah. got the classic hey, Piper Laurie's in this film. Of course, you know from Carrie. Carrie. Uh, she plays uh, Asia or Aja. Argento's mother in this film, actually. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, Dario Argento starring his daughter. Little Asha. known fact: she actually never watched this film because she heard it was so bad. It is bad. She never even watched it. Again, is it wrong that we see her tits and she's only supposed to be sixteen? Yeah. What about the main actor being a pedophile? No. I know. Like this whole thing is so bizarre to me. 
and I know we've had this conversation before. I knew it was going to get brought up again. But yeah, she's playing a 16-year-old in this film. Mm-hmm. And the guy that she ends up hooking up with her savior or whatever, he's quite obviously an adult. And mm-hmm. that's not legal in itself. Yeah, it is. It's legal here. What, 16-year-olds? Yeah, and I believe she just turned 17 because she says she's 16. But I want to say that somebody said that wasn't it her birthday passed during this movie. No, no, no. She was she was actually 18 in real life. No, 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 no. I'm saying in the movie, doesn't oh. somebody call her birthday girl at one point? Or am I pulling that out of nowhere? I, I could have sworn I heard. Isn't it a state by state law? And are they? It is a state by state. So what's the law? So what's the law in Minnesota? Why is that where this is set? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Um, no <laughs> idea. Know. No idea. But the, I'm know, sure he did not fact check though. <laughs> let's let's just go with let's just go with the fact that uh, most places it is technically illegal in a lot of places. Maybe not in Pennsylvania. But... It, it actually you would be. It's it's not like seventeen is legal in most places actually. Mm. With consent of uh, of parents. Well, for the simple fact that I don't remember. Hey, mom, I'm going to fuck this guy. Is that okay? I'm going to say that she's 16. But anyways, it's still a very odd story that like this dude actually does have a girlfriend. But he's like super gung-ho to save this girl that quite obviously has mental problems. I mean, she is escaped anorexis. from. Yeah, she's an anorexic, uh, basically mental escapee. Um Yep, and, and she sure likes to escape, and this guy sure likes to find her for a whole fucking hour of a movie. <laughs> he just, it's he's very awful, very awful pacing. Very, very gung ho. It's paced here. awful. Um, so, age of consent in Italy is fourteen. I can see why it might not have been a problem. Yeah, the age of consent in Italy is fourteen, with a close in age exception that allows those age 13 to engage in sexual activity with partners who are under the age of 18 provided the age gap between them is three years yeah right, but he's like less. 40 all right yeah he's quite obviously more than is. 20 years old he's definitely older but and i mean obviously that you know well that was these just things are the, written in that, italy but you know this take this is an american production yeah. you know and it takes place in minnesota and you know and you notice that yeah and <laughs> quite yeah quite obviously um but yeah, I don't know, man. I'm I'm I'm, I'm with Jeremy, man. This movie's like insanely boring too. Oh, it's horrible. I don't know. Understand what you like it, JP. Even I'm, when they like, just, even when I they get to the hospital okay, and she escapes, so, it's like, huh, this could be interesting. This is cool. But they fucking it doesn't go anywhere. It's just people walking, crazy people walking around, and there's one person dead. Tom Savini does the effects, and there's like no good effects in this entire fucking movie. I mean, it's, I thought that most of the decapitations were fine. But you don't really see that many. You assume in the it's shadows. Not, it's not or, overly gory, but you see the you see the, the wire cutting into the skin, which yeah, always kind of makes me cringe a little bit. Yeah. I don't like that. Yeah, the uh, the effects... I, it I seems agree, like it would be a slow death. Yeah, they're not really the greatest. I mean, you see more of the aftermath. And there's actually one decapitation in this film. <laughs> it's just ridiculous, man. The, the one where they talk? Yeah, dude, I think it's in that, the hotel dude, room. That is, that's a what-the-fuck moment in the movie. I'm like, the twist better be this motherfucker's crazy. Because this yeah. don't make sense. <laughs> that literally makes no sense. It's kind of yeah, cool it was, to see, and it's odd. Yeah, because... it is cool to see. It should have been a dream sequence, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, when you see a body laying there and a head's a foot away, yeah. and it's still kind of trying to talk, that's fucking trippy. But, you know, in reality, that the logic makes no sense. But... Um, I don't know. I okay. So like, uh, obviously the movie opens with uh, Asia uh, about to commit suicide, and then there's this whole, whole like track mark thing, which I thought was cool. Um, this but guy clearly. 
Well, it does a little bit. I mean, she's she's damaged. It's part of our story. It's it's backstory. It's character development. So yeah, it does. And then obviously the guy says that he was an ex addict, and and that's pretty interesting. And then uh, that comes up later in the film as as a little wraparound when he tries to steal the pills. Um, and then I kind of just am, you know th- this girl is damaged. I think Ajia is great in this movie too. Um, this is really uh, I haven't seen her act actually a ton considering how much of a scream queen she's known as i've only really seen her in stendhal and then like some of american films that she was in um as not a main character but um this is the first time i've actually heard her voice as the actress you know in 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 a feature uh role so i thought that she was you know pretty good in this and then um i kind of just enjoy the the wondering what's going on who the who this killer is uh but following we, these two what's that yeah I, I don't know man i i get that like there is obviously a mystery there but uh but when the reveal happens don't you question it a little bit mm-hmm. thinking back how to you but seriously honestly no, the bro scene, how the, many of I'm, giallo's or or argento's films even do you not question what the fuck the, like most of his endings are dumb honestly. No, but you in know this what I mean? one but in this one the people that are killed in the scene are deemed dead by the police. So police. So I'm just wondering how this I don't want to well, fuck, I don't even know how to fucking get her. She she explains that there was I mean, yes. Yeah, Okay, dude. so let me tell you this, all right? It makes so, no sense. Obviously, there's certain things that happen when you find a body. I watch a lot of forensic files, okay? You guys know this. Whenever people find a body, they try to identify it. Then if they can't identify it, you know, they, they have to do, like, DNA stuff. But that takes a while to get back. That takes a while to actually find out um, in terms of, you know, the, the, the testing that needs to be done. So... You know, you kind of lead with this. I know, I get that. I completely, 100% understand where you're coming from. But the fact of the matter is, in the movie, they state that she is dead. Yes. Well, there's a body. Yeah. No. There is. She says it in the movie. There's a body without a head. Mm -hmm. And that's why they thought what they thought. But they didn't find her head. I know, because he keeps them. (laughs) Yeah. I you guess, know, or yeah. yeah, you get what I'm saying. I'm trying to remain spoiler free. I thought I know, this I, one I'm actually tr- made more sense than I'm than some to of his other. I'm trying to think of a way ones. of saying it, but it's like even to state or like even the, the have the fuck I can't do this without spoiling everything. <laughs> it's like so I hard, thought, man. I thought the reveal was cool when Ajia re- remembers back. I kind of got like a bird with the crystal plumage moment where you think you see something, but you don't. You know what I mean? Yeah. And well, uh, I like that. Yeah, I mean, the actual motives behind the killings was, it's all right. It makes kind of, it's extreme. It, most of these are, though. Let's <laughs> right? be real. Like, Mo- yeah, but I think this one is, like, are. really extreme. It's like, like Tenebrae isn't kind of extreme. Not like this one, though. Yeah, this one's a little, I don't know. I mean, all of them are ridiculous. I mean, half the time with these movies, I roll my eyes at the ends, honestly. I do because I just feel like I feel like one thing about Italian horror films is their twists aren't that good. Like a Hitchcock twist or so, like they, they just don't have it, man. It's just they it doesn't feel the same like that you get from like a saw or something like that. It's just like usually convoluted. 
<laughs> you know, most of them are. Most of them are. Most of most of them definitely are convoluted. And uh, I, I think that this one in particular, I was expecting it to be a lot worse. Honestly, I I knew that the films dropped in quality somewhere around this part. Um, I you guys know that I like Stenhall, or I did like Stenhall. We'll talk see, about see it this movie. See this movie to me, man. Yeah, and obviously, I don't want to like directly compare it. But it's hard not to notice that, you know, Argento's aesthetic is not here. I mean, this is an American production. Obviously, we're not getting that visual of, yeah. like, Italy and, you know, that cool architecture. It's bland. And like that. There's no... It's very bland, and it's 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 so dull, you know? And it's just... It feels like this movie just lacked in production and in direction at times, too. It feels like Argento... It feels like a throwaway film to me, man. It, it's, it's definitely different from his, like, t- his visual flair... And I, I it from what really I was have listening it. to from that director, from the the writer and stuff, um, when Argento came uh, to America to was this his, this was his first American production, right? Yes. Um, yeah. He he did intentionally uh, switch his style up a little bit to um, be more uh, to be a little bit different, and also um, music wise, I didn't I did hear that. Uh, the producers actually didn't want a lot of like the Goblin and stuff like that. That the Argento, the Claudio Simonetti and stuff. Yeah, that and then had, instead, and instead, what they did is they used fucking, uh, uh, basically catalog stuff. Like the soundtrack yeah. is taken straight out of a fucking library, right? It's just library music. So it does it, feel it, it. It feels different, but I almost think that it's like it feels kind of like, cool that it's different because mm-hmm. it shows that Argento can adapt to an American style. It's different a in a bit. bad way. I think it, I agree, man. I think it's different in a bad way. Like it does feel like more American for sure. And in starting with and the score I, of the film, see, it's it's that in-house library music that it's very well, that's, typical nineties. I'm not saying that that's it's good. like everything good about him. There's no but it awesome just, cinematography. But, there's no the lighting. I mean, well, the cinematography is good in this movie. It's definitely. I not don't think bad. so. There's it's some, not opera good. But it's it, not any of his films. Well, good. the story doesn't allow it to be that great either. There's a lot of kind of down moments in this film. There's just a lot of. <laughs> just a lot of dialogues there's not a lot of moments to have great cinematography there really isn't and you know it's a pretty low function film i don't know man Th- this one just it's it's so bland to me on all levels i i don't find the pacing is terrible man i i find the kills i can't believe that tom savini's effects are in this film it's just it's insane to me it really is insane to me although i did like the scene where you know yeah, where but, all the heads are revealed that scene that is, is funny as hell the thing about <laughs> it being a Tom Savini effects film, like he's only going to do effects that are written into the film. You know what I mean? He's not going to be doing shit. That's not there. So no. if there's no effects scenes, then of course what the fuck's he going to do. <laughs> well, I, I, I get that. I get that. But I mean, it's still, I'm talking about even filming the kills and shit. They're yeah. like, they're not that great, you know? Yeah, no, there's, there's not. Well, I mean, there's more there's cut than really... they're really, than they're actually showing in this. It's, you know, it is like the weapon is cool. Is this give fully cre- uncut? Do we know? Do we know if there's another version of this? This is all I know. As far as I know, this is yeah. the uncut version. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the, the weapon is cool and the motives are extreme and kind of funny. There's a couple scenes here and there, but I mean, overall, man, it's just, <sighs> there's not a lot of redeemable qualities about this movie for myself. Um, 
I liked it. I think, the <laughs> honestly, pa- I think the pacing is atrocious. I agree with Jeremy, man. That's something I have written down. I'm just like, it's I, very I slowly paced. I find it hard to watch at all, man. I, I was, I, I can, I can see where you're coming. It's not the most, it's definitely not, it's one, it, like, this is right now probably the, the bottom of my Argento. I think one of the but... most interesting <laughs> facts about this movie is that the character of Aja Argento is based on her stepsister. She yeah, was, who was an anorexic yeah. girl. She was an anorexic uh, girl who actually died right after the making of this movie. She got killed yes. in like a bike accident or some shit. And you can yes. see her. And I actually knew this. And I forgot when I was watching the movie and then the girl dancing in the credits. And I was like, oh, fuck, yeah, that's that's her half sister. And she looks just like her, you know, yeah. just a really skinny version of her. But she ended up dying right after this. But I think that's kind of a cool little factoid about the movie. But here's a little bit of a I just don't uh, think they explored here. the story enough, you know, like. You know, with her anorexia, I just don't think things and the were, drugs. Yeah, I don't. I, I think a lot. I think there's a lot. Yeah, more. yeah that that would have been cooler to to kind of delve into that a little bit, but I feel like it's you know, it's not really about that. It, it you know, it's not. But I, I still think it, even with the kills, you're just it, supposed to be setting up that this person is damaged. She's the main character, though. Exactly. So, so you it, should have it, at least something. You do have at least something. Say, what does that mean? You should have at least something. There is they, at least something. Yeah, but one or two words, and that's it. They never talk about it again. You see her throw up multiple times. You see I'm her, talking about the drug stuff. You see, you see that she had track marks. That, that what you're setting up is she's a damaged person. That is something. I don't understand what you mean about you should set up it, show at least something. Explain your point. Okay. You get what I'm saying? It's yep. th- that is at least something. What you should be saying is, I wish there was a lot more. <laughs> not at least something. No? Okay. Well, I mean, I'm just saying. The revelation of the killer only striking when it's raining, I thought was actually kind of <laughs> cheesy, too, It's kind of silly, but whatever. It's, it's cool. cheesy, yeah. though, man. <laughs> like, that's, it's, that's like, wasn't there a Japanese movie you watched that it don't, he, the killer only does that during the rain? Wasn't that memory of a murder? Whatever the fuck that movie's called. Uh, I'm sure it's been done before. It doesn't seem like it's that hard to come up with something like that. But it's just like the way they came up with it, though, in the film actually made me laugh out loud. I was like, okay, wow. It's just kind of a, it's just kind of one of those gimmick things that, you know, you're trying to make your giallo killer slasher killer cool, and it's like, well, what yeah. can his gimmick be? And it's like, but oh, it, he only does his killing in the it's rain. It's funny when, and you, isn't it, it funny because they make. Like the killer is like, oh shit, I, I got to kill this person because she's in the way, but it's not raining. Yeah. <laughs> I know what to do. <laughs> I'll light this newspaper on fire and make the sprinkler go off. <laughs> it's funny when you get, when you That's get so the, re- exactly right. When you get the reveal too, and you think back to the rain, you're like, what does that even have to do with anything? Yeah. It's completely artificial. It totally rain. is artificial. It's insane. It's actually pretty funny. But yeah, yeah. The, the, the the fucking fire. Oh man, dude, that's or the <laughs> setting off the water system. <laughs> so dude, that's laughable. Dude, yeah. so when um Ajia goes over to his house and then she's what is up with why does she have her boobs taped up? What's up with that? Don't know. I didn't Don't get know. that. I thought maybe somebody had a Cut her nipples. An explanation for that. <laughs> it, it was just like normally that happens when you're like See, when you're okay, trying this... to transition into a boy or something, right? Yeah, I you guess. tape down your boobs. I guess I, I don't know. I've never done that. Before. Unless Jeremy, maybe you answer that question. That's what she wasn't doing, and that's some sort of brawl. That I'm maybe it's an around. anorexia thing. 
Maybe. Oh, maybe. actually, actually, that, maybe that's she a good sees point. It as fat, right? Yeah, that is that, that actually it, makes that good shit. Yeah, she's flattening <laughs> him out for sure. But yeah. okay, explain to me why that scene was needed, though. I mean, so you could well because so you yeah, see her naked. Yeah, but <laughs> well, I know why it's needed for us. But I meant like when you're writing the script and like this is Argento's movie, right? Yeah. And you know, like listen, I listen from the get go. I thought it was weird. People try to explain it. It's just weird, dude. It like there's weird. something wrong with it. It's not right. I what? know people have said, well, he just sees her as an uh, actor. No, it's weird, dude. You don't put your daughter naked in your movies. You just don't. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's just but, like that scene right there isn't needed. You, you could go on with the movie and have a final cut without that yeah. scene. I mean, I would prefer it that it's there because it's one even of the best in the next in the movie. movie. It's the same thing. But well. That one makes a little less more sense why she's some somewhat naked. But she doesn't, even, but uh, she doesn't even show her. But she doesn't show her tits in Stendhal. Yeah, she does on the bed. Yeah, barely. Yeah, well, it's not like fucking this. This is so blatant. <laughs> yeah. Well, but, this is clearly just to have titties in a movie. Yeah, well, it's that whole American thing, right? But like, then again, Jeremy did bring up a good point though. Like it, it does show that. I mean, technically, you don't have to see her boobs in order. to... To showcase that, she could have did it from behind. Well, he came up with an you know explanation I mean? for what she did. It's not actually it, – it, it, it's still kind of pointless. Like we don't need – we know that she's skinny. Well, it's more of that character development of her anorexia. So it gets, it, you know, it's a tiny bit of insight Jeremy. into her mind. Like, okay, yeah, and that's what anorexics do, man. They, they, they think they're fat, so you know, tape your tits and make you look skinny. Yeah. I, it makes sense. Yeah, but no, I'm with you. I've always said from day one, it's weird, dude. Like, there's no that you're not going to justify it to me. I think it's weird. I think a lot of people think it's weird. Does that mean that it like he makes bad movies or anything? Does that mean that he wants to have sex with his daughter? Not necessarily, I, but it I, it's weird. <laughs> I, first time I watched this movie years and years ago, I didn't know about this scene. Yeah, and I was like watching. I was like, the fuck just ha- what? That's his daughter, dude. I was so like, what the hell did this just happen, man? Yeah. It's weird, man. It's, it's still, and all these years later, it's still. But it's I will tell you thing. one thing. After I seen that happen, the first thing I did after the movie went over is I went back and rewatched that scene. Just saying. Because <laughs> <laughs> it kind of caught me off guard and I didn't get a good look. So I was like, hey, I got to go back. I'm, yeah. I'm like, I have to remember to go back there. <laughs> yeah, um, that's crazy. Yeah, Aja's is good looking, man. Um, she she's definitely getting older now, but in this movie, she's she's very pretty. Um, yeah, she was eighteen, so you know. Yeah, uh, but there's a little bit of trivia here. Um, character's death was much more violent in the shooting script. The wire was supposed to cut through her mouth before splitting her head in half, not through the neck. Tom Savini has also claimed Dario Argento wanted to shoot it from inside of Lori's mouth, so. He has to work in uh, work on an oversized mouth model in order to place the camera. But after Argento came up with the idea of the head saying Nicholas, the set piece was scratched out. Damn it, Argento! That was not the better idea. No, that was not the better idea. <laughs> that was that was not the better idea, Argento. Like you definitely fucked up that one. <laughs> oh, um, oh. So yeah, I I, I like. I like the I, I like the it is Jeremy is right that it is kind of it feels like a sidestep sometimes but it does come back around. I like seeing the kid kind of living next door to the killer type thing. I thought that that was kind of cool. However, I hate that he that him being hit how they dispatched the killer at the end. 
I thought it was a little weak. Yeah, it is insanely weak. Yeah. Yeah. Ratings. But I just, well, like, the whole thing, up. that like, the way they disclose, or with the way the kid finds the weapon in that scene mm-hmm. there, what the fuck is he doing anyways? Like, is he just a fucking kid that's willing to, like, go into someone else's house and... He had to chase his lizard, bro. Yeah, I know, but seriously, like, are you, like, I'm not that person. My shit went into someone's house and be like, okay, fuck, I guess I'll wait till they get home and... You know, I'm not gonna break into someone's house. And I don't know. It just seems. JP to me, would. I. No comment. I could probably just do without it until they got. I, I do the right thing. I guess I don't know. I'm like that, but I just thought it was funny. He just jumps in there, and then and then dumbass kid. He wasn't even close to getting it on that chair. Really, he stands on the chair and he's like reaching for it and shit. He's like four feet away. I mean, come yeah. on, man! Like, give me a break. What an idiot. Yeah. Uh, overall, though, man, I I, I, I seem to think that and, and I heard Dave say this, and this is why I've been testing this theory. He said that Argento's his favorite director because he's the most consistent. And um, his argument is that he's not made a film under a five point five. I think I think that most people disagree with like Dracula and stuff. But thus far. I'd agree with him. I think that Dario Argento is really goddamn consistent when it comes to making movies. Hmm. Um, and this, like, yeah, because it's an Argento, you expect so much more. But I think, you know, as just a regular movie, like, it's not bad. It's it's not great, but it's not bad. I, I was entertained. It's not, like, horribly, horribly <clears throat> made, but you can just tell that there's so many things that stick out you know the non the very dullness of the film the the really bad but that's music in it. an argento movie though it would not be considered dull if it was just a movie you've seen yes yeah, so if it's just a movie it has seen, horrible pacing and it's stupid yeah but for somebody that's known for his very kind of argento aesthetic you know mm-hmm. it's something you notice right away and i'm a visual person you know that. maybe like, i love so, maybe he it's social commentary is he's saying american films are dull <laughs> maybe maybe but I, but I honestly think the ride to the killer's reveal is is pretty boring like the interactions and stuff are pretty lame like with you know argento's uh i guess boyfriend and you know his relationship with his girlfriend like that whole thing is just like fuck what i don't know man it's just it's not exciting there's really not a lot of excitement in this film is which it's kind of a just problem the hospital. how did you guys watch this do you have dvds Yes, well, I, I got the Blu-ray rip. I okay. have the original Anchor Bay DVD. Okay, so um, just I did look up a little bit of stuff. Apparently, um, there is a version that exists that is um, has seven minutes of footage that aren't uh, cut or something. Well, that guarantee for- that's going to bring up my rating at least six points. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think the Italian DVD has the full uncut version, um, but I'm reading some of the stuff. It doesn't seem like there's a lot of gore. It seems mostly um, like dialogue heavy, but there is some gore that was cut. And apparently the UK version um, was cut by seven seconds as well. Ooh, um, seven seconds. See right here. It says on the back of this. It but, says, but dude, do you say ooh seven seconds? Seven seconds when it comes to gore can be an entire gore shot, it, like entire kill. You know what I mean? So you never know. So it says right here on the back of this, it says from its startling opening murders to its horrific final twist, experience one of Dario Argento's most surprising films as you witness all the uncensored horror of trauma. <laughs> 
Well, so, is that saying it's the, the the film's uncensored, or is that saying, like, you know, is I, that actually say is that part of this? I'm the synopsis, assuming, essentially, you know what I mean? <laughs> I think it's, you know, this is probably the... I mean, there's probably other versions out there, but this might yeah. be the Argento cut of the film. You know, mm-hmm. like how there's a lot of films out there that just kind of incorporate... I don't know where the fuck these people get the footage from sometimes, but, mm-hmm. you know, they make their ways around, and all of a sudden there's, like, longer cuts. But I don't know. I'm not 100% sure on trauma. It does say uncensored, so I yeah. take it for what it is. So, <clears throat> All right, we can do ratings now. Oh, is it my go? Did I go yeah. first? Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, you know, I pretty much said what I had to say about it. It's not by any means even close to a favorite of mine by Argento. I'm just, it's a very disappointing film, especially watching opera and then watching yeah. this right after. I mean, I don't want to put that direct comparison. I try not to do that, but it's, it's very hard not to notice that it doesn't have that Argento-ness to it. And I find it that I can get past that, but the problem is is that the ride to the reveal in this film I find very tedious and kind of boring and that's not a good thing I generally don't get bored in Argento films whatsoever it does lack in you know kind of those meaty scenes good cinematography and things like that music kills me in this though it's it's so house library music that it just drives me they couldn't even fucking splurge for something decent you know like an original score I mean we've heard this music in a hundred different films we literally have, and that's a problem for me. I notice shit like that because I'm a big music guy. Unlike the next movie, which actually is probably the best thing about the movie is the music, but um, which is done by Morricone, which is cool because he went back and grabbed you know somebody who fucking does good scores and shit. I digress. Trauma is essentially a film that bores me to death. That's not a good thing. Five and a half out of ten. It's not a horrible movie. It's mm-hmm. watchable. But there's a lot of problems with just the end product for me. So I don't think. What it's did below, you say it was? A five and a half. I don't think it's a below average movie. You know, it still has its moments and stuff, but it's mm. it's nowhere near anything that is top notch. Yeah. I, Jeremy, <laughs> uh, I give it a four and a half. It's below average for me. I, I really don't find um, anything appealing about it. Okay, so uh, I enjoyed the the buddy nature of these two trying to you know solve the mystery and stuff like that um i thought that you know it it is definitely bland in terms of like visuals and lighting and stuff like that for an argento film but it's, it looks like a regular movie to me so i i didn't but that even didn't really the dialogue is much. really bland in this movie like a lot of the see i actually i, I i'm I, I was into the movie so the dialogue to me was just it's them talking about what's going on it's them solving the mystery it's them talking about past and present and, and stuff like that so i didn't really think the dialogue i didn't even notice the dialogue essentially you know what i mean so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean that that I was just into it, I guess. Um it's kind of it's it's not that a good like it's not a great mystery or anything like that. It's not fantastic, but I don't think most of his films are when it comes to the reveals. Um granted some of those movies have better, you know, in between, but and yeah, all of them do actually. It's it's a better there every movie we've covered so far is better than this one. Um but I still, I still thought it was all right. It was, a, it was a cool movie. 
Um, I I enjoyed Agia's performance, and I actually liked the relationship that was going on between these two. I thought that it it started off um, and built, and I thought it was good development. Um, I liked that the kid was living next door to the killer. I liked the killer. I liked how the killer was decapitating fools. That was cool to me. That was probably the best part of the movie is is that they collected heads and uh, stuff like that. That's neat. Um, the tool weird, but kind of cool. Reminded me of like one of those like wire, like things that people would wrap people's necks around. Like, like, uh, it's like almost like a the, cheese cutter. Uh, no, it's, yeah. It's, it's yeah, like what you put around a dog. Where, like, you know, there is a moment I actually did forget, but there is a moment in the film. I think that they say something on the Why lines you, of what do you do to your dogs? Not like you a dog, like this a, when, when animal control comes, yeah, or they're a lot thicker than this. Yeah, like a He's just decapitating dogs. <laughs> I think there's a moment in the film uh, where they, they talk about how the heads um, carry the soul. Yeah, they do. But I feel like it just didn't go. I, I would have, you know, ex- like to see that explored a lot more, you know, yeah. just because that's kind of a cool idea in general. Like, I mean, you know, mm. it, it makes kind of sense because the souls go, you know, enter through the eyes and shit like that. But if you take the head, you know, you get the whole thing. Kind of cool. But um, so, yeah, uh, I, I don't think it's great. It's not a great movie, but I, I do like it. Uh, and I gave it a 6.5 out of 10. Okay. Wow. Dario and his beautiful daughter, Asha, join forces on the set of their latest movie, Stendhal's Syndrome. Set in Florence's largest art gallery, it's just an ordinary tale of a girl who faints every time she sees a masterpiece. But Dario hasn't just got Renaissance culture in mind. It's a film about female people, about rape, about violence, about art, uh, dangerous art. Which more or less sums up the gruesome content of his storyline. All right, so moving to the year 1996, which we have done extensive coverage on this year go back yeah. and check out episode fill in the number because i don't remember what it is i'm terrible at a 22 shots trivia hint hint <laughs> and uh yeah so 1996 with the stendhal syndrome of course yeah. also starring the stendhal his, syndrome stendhal syndrome of course also starring his daughter Aja Argenta. um music the, by the number, Moni my number seven yeah, number six. Favorite yeah, horror film of nineteen ninety six. This one didn't crack my crack my top ten. I said crap. Didn't crap. <laughs> that was funny. What an appropriate lip fuck there. Um yeah, music by Moni Marconi, that's amazing. That was pretty cool. But this, you know, it's funny, like when you watch these movies back back to back and it's like opera, then trauma like falls right off, and then Stendhal, it has it has that Argento feel to it, you know? Set in Italy, mm-hmm. it has the visuals. It's it's still a really, really dull film. And that's one thing about the Stendhal Syndrome that's always kind of surprised me is that, you know, it's it's back in Italy and, you know, shot in that. But it doesn't have that that Argento aesthetic like, to it. You know, I it's think well, this film's like it's like so relevant, especially today compared to maybe when you last watched it. But like watching this movie today with what's happening in at least our country, I'm you, not going to say the fucking stupid ass Me Too movement, but. It, it, it's a pretty what do you relevant mean you're movie. I'm not gonna say that's what you're saying, right? You're talking yeah. about the Me Too movement. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty relevant today, to be honest with you. I don't even know what the Me Too. What the fuck is the Me Too thing? 
it's about people getting raped, yo. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah. Oh Aja, yeah. Aja included. Okay. Yeah. I w- for some reason I was thinking about you know the actual Stendhal syndrome <laughs> and shit, which is still to me one of the most bizarre syndromes of all time. You know, yeah. This this shit it, is it's like kind of interesting, man. It really is as a syndrome and like to explore that. But mm-hmm. let's get let's get into the synopsis. A young policewoman slowly goes insane while tracking down an elusive serial rapist slash killer through Italy when she be when herself becomes a victim of the brutal man's obsession. Dude, I like this movie because of how different it is from the rest of Argenta's catalog. Like what the way that I different? see this movie. Just story. What? what do you mean by different? Like story Just wise? Story. Yeah, story wise. Yeah, it's the pretty story is completely different. It's one, you have that weird, weirdo, like almost art house Stenhall aspect of it, the Stenhall syndrome, which does play a part in this movie. Well, it's not just a gimmick title. It actually plays the whole part in the movie, essentially, because they talk about how the Stendhal syndrome not only makes you, you know, kind of hallucinate to visual art and stuff like that, but it actually changes your personality, which is what we get in this entire movie is the deconstruction of Aja's character going yeah. from her policewoman state to being raped, which, you know, you can incorporate, you know, the, the mentality change of being raped, but it's actually not because of her being raped. It's because well, it she is, is though. And it isn't, it's, it isn't, it, it's, it isn't, what but it it's is, all, is it's cool that it's multiple things. If that's what I'm it's saying. It's not and, just and, one thing. Exactly. It's the rape and it's the combination of the Stendhal syndrome, which actually is altering her personality, which we see, you know, change throughout the film. And then obviously towards the end, it gets, you know, peaks out. Th- right? This, so. this film has more story than most of Argento's films. Um, yeah. It actually has some depth to it. And it's a, a character study for one, which That's I don't know if is. he's yeah. necessarily done. It totally and is a it's a story. rape revenge film, which is kind of cool. Cause I don't think he's done that. Yeah. It's uh, a film about this, you know, sort of real life syndrome thing. Um, it's, and what, one thing that I've never heard anybody say about it. It's an odd but, rape revenge film in structure. It, it, well, right? this, is something that, this is something that nobody said anything about. And this might spoil something. So I'm so sorry, but I have to say it. Is this is a movie. Like take all of his other movies. Like especially the Giallos. And imagine if you spent all the time. With a specific person in those films. Instead of just the reveals and the ends and stuff like that. That's kind of what this movie is. It's almost a prequel to a giallo. You know how there's usually some kind of interesting backstory. That's kind of what this is. Yeah. I, 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 I get anybody that. say that. I get that. That's how I, after watching it like f- three or four times now, I, I kind of see it as that. So see, with I that, was, like, confused, like I think the weakest part of this movie is like the, the backstory with her and her job. I, I, I just didn't believe it that much with like how it she was a detective. Like well, it's impossible. <laughs> okay. It's impossible because so, it, it, they never disclose her age in this film. But in okay, real life, well, she's 21. Actually, yeah. This is why I'm glad I listened to the commentary, because that's one of the things that the guy points out in the thing. Well, I where think he I says, said this before. In too. America, you would never see a police officer, never. a detective this young. Never. But in Italy, it happens all the time, apparently. See that that's and, so interesting because how like obviously they have a different structure within their their force but that's insane to me because generally detectives in you know North America is given to people with a lot of 
experience. You yeah, know, a lot they, of credentials. They, yeah, they totally. work themselves like, up from street exactly. cops. They, they do this, they do that. And then detective is top of the line kind of thing. And, and you get yeah. there through experience and they want the experienced people because that's what solving crime is all about. So apparently Aja Argento told this to him um, that oh, in, very in Italy, both women and you know young women uh, can climb the ranks very fast. Um, hmm. it, so isn't that it, interesting it, coming from a North American standpoint here, how we're so confused and how it's kind of a... It's, you know, it's, it's a negative to me. I'm like, it's bullshit because yeah. she would never be in the shop. But knowing this, I mean, now, now I'm just confused. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, so yeah, that was kind of interesting that, you know, cause I had thought that too. It's just like, it, she's just too young to be playing this, this type of character. But, you know, knowing that in Italy, it's just culturally different. Yeah. So it might make more sense and it might not be as off putting. Hmm. Um, now another thing that, that I, wow. I dig about this movie is and and honestly you guys a lot people's biggest criticism of this film is that it's too long and I do agree it, it could be trimmed I just don't know where exactly to trim it because it's it's not narratively structured like a three-act story like typically it's almost like it's two halves in a way it's like bef- well, before it's the killer ca- dies and after the killer dies because it's basically it's like, all character development with her you know, yeah. you're following. Yeah, I, I get that too. But I think that the villain is one of the strongest in in an Argento movie too. This guy's really despicable, and I like how I like his look. He just looks like a douchebag with his blonde hair and his the fucking, '90s douchebag. Yeah, yeah, and he's like all like like ripped and so, like he's tan and buff so it makes him just look like a complete like that's what you think of as a womanizer right like this is your quintessential douchebag you know rapist i find it quite interesting too the way argento utilized the killer in this film also there is scenes where i i think we get to see him we get to see his face and then there's a scene after where they use a pov shot and then they get mm-hmm. then we get to see his face again i'm like Thinking to myself, I'm like, we already seen what he looks like. Like, what's the point of using the POV? Maybe it's just that's just what you do in these type of films. I don't know, but I could never figure that out. Why he did that? Mm. Use yeah. a POV after we've seen his face because there's no need to. It's not like you're. I mean, maybe it's just to show that he's. You know, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. it's just it's weird. Right? It's supposed to put you in his mi- mindset or like what he's seeing. I don't know. And it's it's totally not one of those scenes though. It's literally like him kind of walking down the street type thing and i'm like that's so strange why you would shoot it like that but he kind of takes a page out of opera's book where um the the rapist has like a little bit of a fascination with Asia, and he yeah. is purposely allowing her to escape mm-hmm. um also yeah, I when got, i the yeah. very first time i seen this i thought it was really wonky how the two like met and like how it like He's just like at this art gallery and then he like, well, he explains, they explain that it's actually all explained. It it is explained. Not only is it, not only is it explained in dialogue, but you might wonder like, how would he, he put her in a taxi. How would he know where her hotel is? Well, when she has her bag and stuff, she has like a key or something to that hotel. Yeah. So it actually, I never knew that it was like that explained. Yeah. Um, I thought it was a little wonky, but it actually does make sense. How all this well, for the down. first like three quarters of the film, you wouldn't you would be thinking it's wonky, but then it's explained. Yeah, yeah. Well, they explain it a lot later than you normally would get that exposition. Exactly, exactly. So that's a little bit different. I think that there's a lot of and um, there's a lot of obviously it's toned down 
the 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 visuals are toned down in this film but i do think there's a lot of cool artsy stuff like the graffiti in the uh rape room you know what i mean where where all there's there's all this graffiti on the wall i honestly feel like that's i love that shit you know i'm a huge graph fan i always felt like that was almost like a substitute for not having the elusive lighting and you know light you know, technical well, lights that he uses. Didn't and shit. trauma release Apparently, this movie? Yes, they did. And I was going to talk did. It's about a cut version, too. though. It's a cut version. Yeah. So Argento said that he wanted to make like a more drawn out, like depressing look for this film instead of. Well, he definitely the, accomplished that. But instead of like, because the subject matter of rape and stuff like that and not so much visual flair, um, but more of like a, a washed out look, like even um, specifically in Rome, shooting things that looked great and washed out and, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, the, the writer talked about that or the commentary talked about that a little bit, but the trauma thing. Mm-hmm. So apparently whenever Argento made this movie trauma, you know, offered him a big deal for this movie, like a wide theatrical release, like all this stuff. And when Lloyd, you know, apparently he was being Lloyd you know announce like we we signed trauma you know like his how he gets all excited he's like <laughs> or he, we signed dario argento like we got a, the, a, the master of horror you know the italian <laughs> like we got dario argento coming to trauma you know really excited and stuff like apparently just completely dropped the ball and argento was apparently super pissed and it actually just like really discouraged him in making films in america anymore he already had a bad experience with the way uh, trauma was handled event uh, apparently and Sten Hall even made it 10 times worse. Um, why, what happened? So what, well, what, what actually, one, yeah, it didn't, they didn't, it was like a, uh, very DVD rights or something. Oh, it was yeah. a very limited release, which was not what he was promised. Um, the DVD that was put out apparently was not only cut, but the transfer was like God awful. Yeah. You own it? No, I actually don't own that, but I've heard like, the same apparently thing. he was completely insulted by the transfer on the DVD. Um, and it was just a bad deal altogether. Apparently he was, he was like pissed, pissed. I don't get the cut though. Hmm. Why, why is it cut though? Right? Because it it's says on the front, trauma. on the front cover, it says the director's cut. <laughs> yeah, well, so I doubt that. There's much. a lot of there's actually a lot of trauma releases that say director's cut and they're cut to shit. Like actually, perfect example: Vinegar Syndrome just released the good version of Death by Temptation, but the the original trauma DVD, and it has a full intro. You know, Death by Temptation, the unrated director's cut, blah blah blah. You know, uh, Coffin's whole spiel. I'm, I shit you not, it's like a TV cut. The fucking swear words are beeped out. <laughs> I'm pretty so, sure the director didn't intend to have his fucking swear yeah. words censored out. <laughs> I couldn't imagine that. You know, it's like, so bad. Like, ah, you know what? I'm really regretting using the F word three times. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we should only use it two. Can you put a beep over this? You know? <laughs> um, so also another little behind the scenes thing here. Jeremy had this question. Luckily, we got an answer through the commentary. The track, right? Is it English? Is it Italian? Was it filmed in English? Was it filmed in Italian? What, what's the deal with it? Which version did you guys watch? Italian. Uh, English. It's shot. I in watched English. English too. Yeah, it's shot. In it's English. shot in English. Yeah, but it's dubbed in English and Italian. Yeah. That's so the original normal. audio track doesn't exist. 
Yeah. It's dubbed. And apparently. Yeah, that's normal. Ajia was so mad about that. That she like did like was so pissed at Argento because she thought that she gave an amazing performance in this film, um, specifically through her dialogue, and they got and they got a different actress to du- to dub her. See, I don't get that. <laughs> I don't get that. Like, why wouldn't uh, Dario just get Aja to dub her own voice? Yeah. Well, because um, she, th- for whatever reason, he didn't want the like sexy, smoky voice that Aja has, and and wanted something different. But apparently, she was really pissed about that, which well, I would do. I, yeah, I mean. That'd She's going to have man. to put it up. It's her daddy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah man. Stendhal syndrome. I really like the idea behind this movie. I just... I, the story to me is a little bit clunky. I wish it had it had more visual developments with hallucinations and things like that. Because you get one right in the beginning of the film that... Breaks, I know, but... <laughs> a very strange oh, also... scene where it kisses where she kisses this fucking, like, face fish. Dude, <laughs> I remember <laughs> in weird. 1996 when we were doing prepping for that show... I picked up the uh, original Blue Underground release and I popped it in. And that's one of the first things you see. I thought this movie was going to be absolutely atrocious. I was like, I even remember messaging you guys. I was like, I was like, well, this didn't start off too good. This CGI fish. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some, some very bad CG in this one. Oh yeah. Um, oh, there's yeah. actually a kill. There's a kill. That's actually a good kill and gets stupefied by some CGI uh, of the woman being shot. Good. Yeah. Entrance on that shot. Yeah, there's three weird main... CGI inside shot though. <laughs> Very strange. I don't know why our gentle thought this was a good idea, but there's a scene where she takes some pills and yeah, it, it goes. It's up there with Gozu. <laughs> it's it's super... up there with Gozu. It's is like bad. The most bizarre choice. You don't need to show that. I don't know why they did yeah. that. It just it adds a comedic effect to it. It's really it's bad. And then of well, course there is this shot with the with the CG blood. Oh my god. Worth it. Remember, the peeps. Thing, this right? is 1996. And then here, one last one. There's a scene where uh, a painting kind of melts off the wall. Oh my yeah, god! It's horrible. Dude, it's she like just, steps into it. It's so, really bad. One second. Um, let me just throw this out there as a potential, right? So 1996, set the tone. You don't know much about C- CGI. All of a sudden, you find out, hey, you can do stuff that you couldn't do before. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting. What if we did a shot of like the pills, like in her mouth in her throat like that's something that you can never do before okay well obviously he doesn't know what it's gonna look like before he writes it so i mean i could kind of see i mean obviously i would cut it out but you do, yeah but that's it. the thing i mean <laughs> if he's doing final edit i mean fuck i'd be like dude that yeah. don't look good let's take that shit and it, <laughs> we would never know the difference man <laughs> yeah but one thing that's cool about this is this actually is the first ever italian production to utilize cgi that's another yep. little fact. oh that's cool that too. that's cool yeah i wonder if lloyd's cut cut out the cgi <laughs> that would actually be a good thing but <laughs> but yeah man the, you know the movie kind of gives you this impression at the beginning that we're going to get a very kind of hallucinogenic type character study but it really doesn't go that way at all you know it's more about her in this, inner demons and yeah in the, in, the, in the actual reality and her demon and her change in personality yeah. throughout the film it's structured yeah. very strange too because jp mentioned that um, you know, it could be classified as a rape revenge film. And that's true because, you know, her character is raped by this guy and lets her go. Yeah. And he's really kind of fucking like this guy's very sadistic and shit. Yeah. He takes her the first time he rapes her. His idea of a second date is to take her 
to watch him rape another girl and murder her in front of her. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, so he's so, like, totally just fucking with... And then, of course, yeah. she exacts some revenge and shit. And, like, this scene happens at, like, the midway point in the movie. It's very yeah. strange. It's very strange. Then like he an, goes in the river and you yeah. think he's... And actually, yeah. my favorite scene in the whole movie is the scene with Ajar Gentle's character. And when she fights him off, yeah, she fucking kicks some serious ass in that. I wish there was yeah, more she shit like, like that. She breaks there. his spine and uh, like his by like hitting him in the back of the neck. Mm-hmm. Um, which that guy was super dead as fuck. I think, but I like the idea that you don't. I love how you don't know if he's back because it, it's the whole. I, well, I knew that, I knew all along it was. In well, I've never well, had the impression w- that he was back, but yeah. I mean, I I mean, obvious, like because that would be too obvious for like that would be, it, it would be he was that paralyzed just make, and he's like down in the river. It's like that <clears> motherfucker's <throat> dead. Yeah, well, everybody would assume that. That's why it's you would do it that way. You know what I mean? So I mean, yeah. she really. I mean, she stabs him in the neck, fucking pokes out his eye, shoots him. Beats, like the reason you don't think that it's, he's back is because that would be kind of dumb if he was, you know what I mean? Like it, it wouldn't make sense. Well, it's also so, given but, the scene that they show, like when she kicks him over the, the cliff into that insanely fast moving river, like there's no way he's living through that. This is fucking stupid. Yeah. So it wouldn't, it wouldn't make sense, but I think that it's cool for the characters around her to not know if he's back, but or don't you think her though, herself to not know if he's back. I guess like if you have that, that well, because like, they don't find a body. That complication, I mean? yeah. If you, if you're really yeah. fighting with, you know, that part of the movie, right? Like, oh, is he around? Whatever. But I mean, if you put yourself in the spot where he's dead, right? So yeah. how so how are you perceiving the film now? Are you assuming that where the film goes is that what you're assuming is going to happen? Because I well, think it's I think it's fairly yeah. obvious what's happening here because yeah. the way well, Argento writes okay. her character, you can. I, I mean, mean, I think like the end when he's like, he's inside of me or his soul's inside of me. I was like, that's well, fucking retarded. I'm well, sorry. There's all these minor developments, right? Like, you know, she when she cuts her hair and, and makes herself kind of look like a boy, and yeah. the scene yeah. where she fucking dry when she dry humps her boyfriend, dude. I fucking laugh so hard at that shit. Oh, she, dude, it's, that yeah. scene is it's, so fucking funny to me, dude. I, it I is actually burst funny, out laughing, but it's <laughs> also like. Man, her boyfriend is a wimp. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. But it's but the like, progression. Yeah, like it's me. the progression of yeah. her personality changing, right? And I like those are the things I do well, like. It, it's <clears throat> it's a multitude of things. Like at yeah. first, it's just I am want to be like defeminized because I don't want to seem attractive to any males exactly. because mm-hmm. I am scared of males now. Yeah. Mm. And then it becomes more of a. Um, you know, a, a brutalization towards males whenever she's boxing and Hence stuff her like that. Giving herself a boycott. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's, and then it's a, a transition actually, into. They literally you know, poke fun of her in the film too with her family and shit. Like, you look yeah. like a boy. <laughs> her brothers. Yeah. I actually had that moment. In my life. my sister way back in the day did that too. She cut her hair like boy head, and I, she comes in the house. She's all proud of her hair, and I was like, oh, what's with the boy head? And she mm-hmm. fuck. She wouldn't talk to me for like a year. It was pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's a heavy grudge yeah and she, she's so that. she yeah it's this long transition um to this character and uh i think that it's i think that this movie's pretty well done w- with most of that stuff i think honestly the biggest complaint about this movie is that it's just too long but again i don't really know what to cut so yeah you know what, what man? You, do you have any recommendations for what to trim 
I don't know. I, I feel like you need most everything. But see, that's a very important scene, though. Because I mean, like it, ex- one, it explains though. the Stenhall thing in the first meeting. But he's and in then, like multiple scenes, though. It's like, but every scene that he's in, go ahead and watch again. Every scene he's yeah. in is important to the plot. So it's yeah. like, what do you cut? Maybe some of the boxing stuff. But again, that's character development to that character and that transition. It's it's Well, you know, to be honest, that could be cut, though. Because I intentionally paid attention to that this time. What, the boxing? Yeah. I mean, it could have been trimmed, I guess. I but... mean, but we have enough. I mean, we get the point of what's happening here. We but don't see, then you everything. run into a thing with like the last movie where it's like, oh, they didn't show enough of the addiction and stuff like that. So there's it, not it's, that much crazy. St- you're yeah. damned if you do. You're damned if you don't. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think this is a little bit different, though, because we're getting so much character development that you could probably trim it down a tad bit. I mean, fuck, oh, it, where? It, that's it, what he's it, asking. You. I know it runs two hours. I mean, I would have to really kind of think about it. But yeah. um, I, I agree that you could probably trim it down. But could you trim it down much? Like, could you really think of cutting 15 minutes out of this movie? Where do you find 15 minutes at? You know what I mean? That's a lot of minutes to cut. And that would only get it down to 145. Could you imagine cutting a half hour out of this movie? I, I say it's impossible to get the same effect. Mm-hmm. What do you feel about the scene at the uh, at the art museum? At the art, you know, I guess, museum or whatever. Where... The opening scene? No, no. You know that, you no, know that no, museum is the... like a super famous museum that the only... Uh, filmmaker ever allowed the film in there was Argento. Yeah, that makes sense. He was respected so much. <laughs> he's, the, he's the maestro there. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, the scene where her boyfriend gets killed. Oh. Yeah. The um the oh. new guy that she meets. Yes, new the new the new guy. But that yeah. whole the way that scene develops and and just and what the reveal is of it. It's shit, shot nice. It is, but it doesn't make a lot of logical sense though. How so? How she gets out of the building without being noticed after all that shit goes down? Mm. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah I guess they so. don't because really show you. That, that's the problem. That, they don't really that, show you. That's what how. I'm saying. They don't show anything. But the point is, is that <clears throat> the security guard knows she's there and he knows he's there. Something happens. You know, he doesn't. They don't show him seeing her. Like, I mean, it, there's there's a problem there. I would have to rewatch it again to to see if it. This was actually one of my biggest complaints last time. I just I watched assume the movie, that it's like I was really tr- big and stuff. Like it's a really big museum. I don't know the layout of it. They don't show you the layout of it, so I think because you're they want they don't want the audience to straight up know that you know it was. So well, I don't. I don't. Know. Of course, but I meant just logically, like it. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that you would be. I don't know. Yeah. But you get what I would I'm have saying. to watch it again you to really saying. scrutinize it. But I do remember feeling like thinking about that. I just remember that was one of my biggest concerns with the film prepping for mm-hmm. the 96 show, too. I was like, what the fuck's at this scene? You know, I, I just think this movie's like super interesting for an Argento. It's just different. I don't know. I, I dig it. It's, I do, man. I think the idea behind the movie's really good. If it's executed properly, I don't know. I think it's, I I think like it's, it. I think I it's a it long, okay. it's I've a, only seen it once. It's a little bit long winded. And I I get it, you know I completely understand. I like the stru- I like how the structure is different in the movie too, you know, doing what they did with the killer, you know I I like things like that, you know it's kind of I've like- seen this movie more than any other Argento film actually, which is weird. I think I've seen Suspiria 
maybe the same amount of times, but kind of like the reverse psycho thing right there. (laughs) It's not, it's not gotten worse for me. Like I actually improved my rating the last two times I watched it. I am coming down a little, a little bit on this one, but I, yeah. I just think it's good, man. It's just a good movie to me. I think this movie would have benefited for a little bit more visuals, you know, not it just could playing have been it straightforward. And yeah, I could, I agree. Like they should have messed around with the art a little bit more. Cause exactly. there's a lot of art in it. And, um, there's actually a lot of famous art that's like, you know, duplicated for the movie, just in the background, like paintings on the walls and stuff like that. At the hotel. Yeah. Um, but I do like the fact that like, in the progression of her personality change, there's a point where actually when she meets her new boyfriend at that art place, whatever, she's like literally looking at art and shit and not really. Yeah, being she's like super it. into art. Now. Yeah, and because it's not affecting her because she's kind of mm-hmm. being transformed personality wise. And and I, I like that. I thought that was kind of cool. That's a good scene to have. You know, her literally holding tubes of paintings and uh, no, that mm-hmm. sounded wrong. But you know what I mean? She's flipping through them and looking and shit. But I wish there was more with you know, her tripping out and hallucinating on the actual Stendhal syndrome, you know, the actual yeah, cause. Of apparently it. director Dario Argento said he experienced the Stendhal syndrome as a child huh. while touring Athens with his parents. Young Dario was climbing the steps of the path, Pathion Pathanon, uh, when he was overcome by a trance that caused him to become lost from his parents for hours. The experience was so strong that Argento never forgot it and immediately thought, uh, of it when came across uh, the book that this film was based on. Um, yeah. Which is that the is, one that you see? The psychiatrist holds? Is that the same is book? It? Hmm, I probably. So. Yeah. No, I didn't even realize that. Maybe. Yeah. 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 It's one that she's reading. Yeah. Um, hmm. So, yeah. Ratings. 7 out of 10. Um, I, I like this movie a lot. Wow. Bridget Fonda was supposed to play Aja's character. It's weird. And then Jennifer Jason Lee. Hmm. Hmm. Apparently Bridget Fonda is a massive Argento fan. <laughs> hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, dude, this, yeah, I, I like this movie a lot. I think it's dope. Uh, I like it. I, I, as long as it is, I don't mind watching it, which is weird because I'm I'm a suck I'm I'm a sucker for a film that's under ninety minutes, like especially in today's day and age where I have to watch so much. Um, but yeah, I, I dig Stenhall, man. It's it's one of my favorite Argentos. It's just different. It's nothing like his other films, and I like that about it. It's seems like a lot more serious than some of them with. Uh, in terms of the subject matter, you know, rape. And I, I think that the killer's good. He's definitely one of the most despicable because you see him on screen. Like a lot of the killers in Argento movies are hidden until the end. Um, but this guy's like front and center. And then we get a POV scene. <laughs> like his mid set. Yeah, uh, so but, weird. Yeah, I'm. I kind of teeter on this one. I don't know where to really rate it. My original rating was a seven point five, but after multiple rewatches, I've climbed all the way to an eight point five. Um, so I'm just gonna stick there. Eight point five out of ten. Yeah, you really love this one, man. I, I've you know I've seen it probably four times, five times. I don't know, a lot, enough. 
um, I just every time I watch it, man, I just I wish he had taken a a little bit of a different route and made it a little bit more visual. Just considering the general idea of the Stendhal syndrome, you know what what you could possibly do with it, you know, mm-hmm. and especially for somebody so visual as Argento. I mean, you could probably shoot some amazing visual scenes and just. Oh, it would just really kind of spice up the film. The idea is really cool. Aja is good in this film. Um, I did find it kind of strange that she never got naked in this one. Really? Well, she is naked. She is naked. She's naked bed. twice. You see her nipple in the rape, too. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. It's pretty... Yeah, he did a little bit more subtly in this one, I guess. <laughs> I should yeah. say. But, um, it, it, you know, it's Argento. It's not as flashy as other films. Music's good. Marconi does a good job. Actually, the music is very fitting for this because it's kind of subtle, but it's nice. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it is long. Not my favorite Argento by any means. If I had to watch something, it would probably not be this movie. But I'm sticking with the rating I usually have on this one: six and a half out of ten. Six and a half out of ten. Would you give it, Jeremy, a seven? Seven. I'm I'm really shocked by that. Why? I thought I actually did when we did the '96 show. I was like, I thought that you were gonna really like this one. I do went, really like it. It's good. It's better. Fucking hell of a lot better than that last movie. You fucking trauma. <laughs> no, I mean, I, yeah, it's seven's good. seven's good. Yeah, it's good. I like but, it. I've uh, only seen I, it once. So yeah, you might come up like I did. I gave it a seven point five when I first seen it. It's it's. It's pretty cool, man. It's it's neat. I, judging by my rating now, this actually would have been my fourth favorite or fourth best uh, horror film of 96, uh, right after Thesis and before Dust Till Dawn. <laughs> and this doesn't even make my top 10. <laughs> yeah. And that, but as of right, you know, where it ended up was seventh. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So that's Argento th- 4. Next year, yep. it would be Sleepless, Phantom of the Opera, and... Card Player. The Card Player. Yep. Yeah, hmm. buddy. Wait, 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 have you seen all those? Oh, yeah. I haven't seen any of them, but I did get Sleepless's Patreon, so I'm going to have to watch that. I don't, I don't remember Sleepless that much. I remember Phantom of the Opera because it, I've only seen it once, <laughs> and it was so bad. Like I just could is it not. Two with, hours long. Uh, I, I maybe it is too long. I don't know, but <laughs> uh, yeah, it's you know hundred minutes. Yeah. So the, I mean, I don't even think that any of us thought these film like Jeremy may have said it's it's bad, like slightly below average, but no, it's bad. Okay, so well, your rating says slightly below average. I'm but, really curious to hear your thoughts on the card player. So that's kind of interesting where it's like I would say most people would say that he hasn't actually made bad movies yet but this next section Penny Opera Sleepless and Card Player is kind of that section where apparently allegedly they get bad so I'm really interested about next year's Dario Argento which I will make us do Sleepless Um, is two hours long (laughs) two more years of Argento spotlights Uh, so that's interesting yeah buddy that's the episode huh yeah man and week one for Italian month was good good yeah I 
I love me some Argento, man. He's that he's come became like my second favorite filmmaker now. It's pretty nuts because I I thought he was not very good at first when I only seen Suspiria, <laughs> and then I ended up liking Suspiria after seeing it a few times. I, I just find that so incredible, man. See, I, yeah. I, like with Suspiria, I remember the first time I watched Suspiria was I was like drawn right into it. See, the first time I watched it, you sent it to me, and I was like, this is this is what all the hype was about? This is, sucks. <laughs> and I was just like, 6.5 out of 10. <laughs> but I, I didn't really appreciate I was just, the story, I was just like, this is, the, this is what everybody's hype about? I didn't really get it. You know what I mean? And, but now, obviously, I've, I, I really like our gender. I've come around so much differently. And even in Italian in Italian horror month, Italian horror in general, dude, I feel like I'm actually know what's up now. You know what I mean? This my strategy of a four year journey of making myself acquainted with ta- Italian horror has worked. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, you need to get a, a master plan. With, more equipped with the Baba films. Well, maybe we should do Baba two next year then. Not for me. Yeah, you always just pick like the non horrorist of non horror guys for years. Massimato <laughs> <laughs> was pretty horror. I'm just kidding. What or one? Bianchi. Those are good Bianchi. films too. Those are good films. Which one was Bianchi? He did the Solange. No, no he did. Um, no, he Bird, buried alive. <laughs> oh, burial grounds. Yeah, I like burial that. grounds. Oh, sorry, I was joking. He did a uh, burial grounds, that piece of shit that Donna Nelly liked, uh, massacre. Yeah, oh, that's that and uh, strip nude for your killer. That movie, man. Oh my god. Yeah, that was the worst. <laughs> that was the worst week out of the three, though. Out of oh. the four last week. Ah, uh, strip nude is like the sleazy. That's burial the, grounds that's the, the best movie. But washing ever. machine isn't sleazy, from what I've read. Oh yeah, is it? Is. it? <laughs> Moods is like you gotta just get the get the region two. It's shaped like a washing machine. It's like his big selling point. Forty dollars, forty dollars, guys. Say shaped like a washing I machine. Was, I was shocked that you could. It was still available because I I thought it was completely deleted and gone and out of print. So I was like, holy shit, man! You can get that shit prime. <laughs> it's crazy. It's a cool addition, man. Very very cool. Yeah, prime. If you live in the UK, it's not prime here. Yeah, I got it years but, ago. I didn't pay that. Yeah, of course you um, did. 14 so pounds, ne- 14 next, pounds. next week? Uh, what is next? Oh, next week is... Your guy. Yeah, next week is... Reguero Diodato. Diodato. And the films we are going to be covering... You know, I wanted to kind of pick one from the 70s, 80s, and 90s, but, but I was like, I can't not do Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> Got to pick... The film Cannibal Holocaust, because you know that's one that we just got to talk about. And then I picked Cut and Run from the eighties, and then nineties, The Washing Machine. So you know, three completely different films. That was the point. I've not. Oh wait, I've seen Cannibal Holocaust. <laughs> so I've seen Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, dude, I own Cut and Run. I just, it just too. literally popped out in my face, like right in. Jeez, actually, Woods, did you send me this? Yeah, Cold Red just put out a Blu-ray. Did Derek? I think Derek did. I think Derek I got did. the Anchor Bay double feature with Dead End Drive-In. Yeah, oh, no, yeah. I have the single disc edition. Got that. Cool. Cold Red put the Blu-ray is readily available. It's cheap too, man. Actually, they're putting out just the standard whatever, and yeah. it's like fucking dirt cheap. 
even Ooh. on Amazon. So probably it's probably fifteen, fourteen dollars for you guys. I'd probably say it's about time we discuss Cannibal Holocaust. Oh, I can't wait to talk about it, man. It's been a long time. Through that, through that whole done. review, I'm going to throw in my my awesome limited Cannibal Holocaust vinyl. Just oh, we all know how much I love <laughs> Cannibal films. So, have you Looking seen forward. Cannibal Holocaust? Nope. Oh, whoa! It, we got it, a virgin here, ladies and gentlemen. And I don't just mean in one way. Yep. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Thanks for the third virgin joke tonight. I appreciate it. <laughs> I've now come out of the closet. Listen, my, dude, I'm marking my words. Cannibal Holocaust is m- way better than than you would think it is. And let me n- get back to me next week. <clears throat> yeah, dude, it, it's it's on a different level, and the story behind it is incredible too. Oh, I know yeah. the story. It's it's the reason for the whole video now. It's crazy. Maybe I'll watch the animal free killing version from uh, Grindhouse this time. They have that. Well, they've, yeah. got, they've got both. You yeah, can watch it with the animal killings. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I can't remember. I, I I said that somewhere, and then someone called me a pussy, and I was like, no, I I didn't say I watch it like that. I said you can watch it like that. Are you watching yeah, I'm it like saying that? that I might. I never it like do that. because I always my mentality is like if something's if I have an uncut version, I'm always going to watch that. Yeah. Yeah, so. but that's the only thing it cuts, right? It's just the animal. Yeah, killings. no, it's just the the animal killings. But, yeah, I'm, I might watch it just because I, I'm not like I understand why they were there and stuff like that, and they ate the animals or whatever. Yeah, I just it it already affected me as much as it's gonna affect me. I don't really need to see it again, so I might just actually do that. The and, turtle one is brutal, but <laughs> that's the one. That it's still so me. brutal to me, man. Yeah, but uh, yeah, man. Anyways, yeah, Ricardo Diodato next week. Um, gonna be awesome. Looking forward to it. So, yeah, I'm excited, man. Uh, I I actually was very happy with this year's Italian Horror Month uh, as a whole. Um, with the besides me, right? And until after I mean, we watch the I'm Fernando just busting your balls because th- when I search the movies, they say that they're not horror on IMDb. Yeah, well, Fernando D'Elio is like considered to be one of the best Italian, you know, oh, crime and the fact directors. that <laughs> and the fact that. Whenever I go to buy them, it's in the crime box set. <laughs> That's why I was like naked violences. Uh, <laughs> yeah, naked violences. Yeah, it's in the cr- like the crime box set, and I'm like, wait a minute, <laughs> this isn't a horror box set. This is a cr- fucking crime box set, Italian crime box set. I'm like, Jesus. Some good ass films in there, in both those sets, man. Those are awesome. Uh, are they horror? Let me ask you that. What the the the, the three films that he picked? You've seen them, right? Yeah, I've seen all three of them. Uh, I've reviewed okay, Madness. Before? I've reviewed Slaughter Hotel and Madness on this show before. Um, yeah, this Madness and Slaughter Hotel are definitely in that realm of horror for sure, hundred okay. percent. Naked Violence is more. I would consider it more <laughs> crime. Uh, yeah, is it horror at all? Is it like ten percent horror? Yeah, it's it definitely has elements in there for sure. Black File wasn't horror. Naked Violence has a, it has its moments, but Slaughter Hotel is like it's, it's almost like a slasher film, and it's like a really sleazy film. And Madness is like a home invasion film. So, all right, fuck you. Two out of three is good. <laughs> Two out of three is acceptable for Italian Horror Month. <laughs> Italian horror. You didn't want to do Naked Violence. Mondo Naked Kane, Violence so. is is really good from what I remember. So wait, we didn't want to do what. The Mondo Kane guy, because... Was that because he wasn't Italian? Oh, here we go. 
<laughs> hey guys, oh, what dude, do you that think? Was so funny. He made Italian films. Italian horror month, and some of them weren't even fully Italian. <laughs> that some of them weren't even Italian. I think the ones that you pick. Um, let's see, Italian horror month. Would you think that it would include Italian directors? No. Would it be, would it be a good idea to you know include non no, we never non- said Italian that. directors? <laughs> We never said it has to be a director spotlight. Yeah, we did. <laughs> That's what we said. Four director spotlights. All right. Yeah. So DeLeo is week three. And then, of course, week four is uh, picked by Derek. Derek. That yeah. yeah, Derek actually picked an entire one. So he picked Joe D'Amato, which is which fun. is another name that we needed to get to. Yeah. Joe D'Amato has been definitely on the, the wish list of directors to do, but. Films are Beyond the Darkness, Anthropophagus, and Absurd. Which is I was like, really happy that he picked that guy because I literally have all three of those. Me too. Right. Yep. Thanks, Severin. I th- yeah, I reviewed Beyond the Darkness, I think, a long time ago in here, too. Yeah. Yeah, that, that'll, so be, that'll of- be a fun show. That'll be a fun It yeah. depends because I've always said Anthropophagus is like one of those absolute mood films for me. Sometimes I don't dig it and sometimes I do. So hopefully Do we have to that Derek movie. dude on the show? Uh, is Derek, what, Derek? Doing, is D doing tomorrow with us? I don't know. We could invite him on. I oh, mean, Greg, why did I open my mouth? If anyone's still listening to the show right now, then let us know if you want Derek on the show. Well, we all know Derek's <laughs> listening, so they they most people will say yes, just out of niceness. Well, I well, they no. don't have to answer at all because we don't know they're yeah. listening. So, why are you so afraid of guests? I liked Andrew. That was fun. That was the best episode ever. I thought that episode was really good, too. I destroyed him. That's the worst episode ever. Well, because, one, you set me up, and two, Andrew was just... (laughs) Here you go with the setup again. Jesus Christ. Because you did set me up with the curve. Your idea of setups is very... You literally said, I can't wait to hear what what Andrew says about the curve. That movie's trash. And then you gave it an above trash rating. You set me up. No, I did not see you up, man. Uh-huh. No. Dude. Yep. <laughs> Anyways, that is going to conclude episode... Just like how you set me up last week with 1984 being considered not horror, even though it was on the letterbox list. So was... uh, Dude, we did not what set else did I put on Me there? and Brandon had Death decided... I had Blade Runner on there. But, we, but we were fucking watching exploitation films on there, too. And we the Bronx said... Bronx Warrior. And Jeremy, to be honest, we actually said... Do what you want with the list. I agree. We That's just, how it should be. We just chose not to put it on, and me and Brandon had the exact same. It's just not horror. It's Listen, a great I fucking put, movie. I put fucking Paradise Lost, The Child Murders of Robin Hood Hills on my list. Yeah. Otherwise, like, I would have had it on there too. I love that movie. Dude, it. that movie is a. It's good, but top ten good. What Paradise know. Lost or? No. Oh. Of course, that's not Class 84. Good. Fuck, I love that movie. It's just, it, I don't, can't buy it 100%. Man. Can't buy it. It was the very first movie I watched for that show, too. Me, too. <laughs> it's good shit, man. That's it for 146. Jeremy, take us out of here. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 146 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror Podcast. As always, if you want to follow the man Moods himself, you could do so at youtube.com slash mood 616 And please do yourself a favor and go over to the JP's channel and tell him how much he sucks for fouling 31 Days of Horror. YouTube.com slash double shot J. 
So as you can follow me on my channel at youtube.com slash NESRuler22. So as please follow us on Twitter, twitter.com slash 22shotspodcast. Email us any questions you have at the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. That's the 22 shots of moods and horror at gmail.com. And as always, please leave us a voicemail now that we answer them. 724-426-6665. Please join us on the Facebook page, facebook.com. Search bar 22 shots of moods and horror podcast. And please support the Patreon to get the sand sucked out of my vagina. Patreon.com slash 22 shots podcast. That should do it, everybody, for episode 146 of the 22 Shots of Moods and Horror podcast. We'll be back next week with week two of Italian Horror Month. That should do it. Goodbye, and fuck you, Jerry. Yeah. <laughs>